like scary movies? Totally. Hey, y'all. Totally. What's up? It's Jess. Hey, jerk. Speed kills. Ah, baby, bone sherry. Hey, what? Lindsay. The key. You did a great job. You filthy animals. Hello, Sydney. <laughs> I'll be right back. I thought this was about horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, I gotta fan myself. Curdled sack of milk. <laughs> oh I'm a really good listener. No, you're not. That's true. We're out of here. Bye. The key. Hello and welcome. Bye, all Bye. Plug it up. Plug it up. Plug it up. Plug it up. Wow. I uh I can't say that I'm terribly surprised by your your whole setup here, your uh, backdrop and everything. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Just the the big ass American flag behind you just because I think I feel like you're trying to overcompensate because we always say that you're a southern Canadian, so you're just like, oh, "Okay, I'll make sure I have a big ass American flag behind me for when Anthony comes on." That's dude, honestly, this thing's never up and I went out and got it today and I was like, "You know what? Fuck this guy." Yeah, I had a feeling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person to comment. I think everybody else is afraid to make a comment about it. Yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like one of those those setups where uh, if I pissed you off, yeah. then yeah, I might I might be in for a world of hurt. Uh, I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not very intimidating. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. See, I've never been particularly afraid of you. I wouldn't be. There's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, look at me. I'm just an overgrown man child. Yeah, no, I was actually uh I was actually nervous about this. So what I did is I put the uh I put the Zoom call on my laptop. Um that way you're you're very small in my in oh, my view right here. Beautiful. Yeah, so I uh, Yeah, just so I feel a lot bigger during the recording. <laughs> it kind of helps me. <laughs> uh, well, as long as it helps you. Are you like 3 uh 6 foot 3 or something? You're a tall dude. Uh, not six foot three. I am six foot even, but, mm. um, I think the slenderness, like my, my slender build and then the, yeah. uh, the skeleton image, I think people just, I get a lot of comments from, uh, people who are like, Oh, are you getting taller? And I'm like, no, I think everybody else is just getting shorter. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Cause I capped out at six foot. My dad is six foot five. Wow. And I remember as a kid, I was like, I want to be two things in life. I want to be tall and I want to be funny. Uh-huh. And um, I can say for sure I got the tall part. The funny part, I guess, is subjective. I think you're pretty comical. You crack me up. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I was actually going to um, ask you because I assume we're already recording. I know usually when I um, listen to these episodes, you guys get about 10 or 15 minutes into the conversation and then the person <laughs> has like a, a freak out when they realize that you've been recording the whole time. There's always that moment where they're yes. like, oh, when are we going to start? <laughs> And I'm like, I'm always recording. Yeah, but just, just so you know, I've got my sheet of paper here that is blank. I don't want you to think I lied and told you there's no outline and there really is. This is so I can make notes if I have to cut anything out. So just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was one of those like talk show things where you know that they don't have shit prepared, like sitting there on the table. It's just yeah. there to look like they have something to do. That's yeah, what Seth makes fun of me. Pen. Exactly. Seth makes fun of me because I've always got like pa- papers of crap to talk about because I talk the most on the show so i have to like make sure that we're like going by the format of the outline and i didn't forget anything and he like makes fun of me because i like i'm old so like i gotta hold the paper up to my face it's we can never do video because it would just be a disaster that's really funny that you say that because i think that you and anthony would be able to 
to or tone, I guess I should say to differentiate on here. Um, that's that's what we call him in the podcast sphere. Um, tone is just like that where he'll come. He has a notebook, a Stranger Things notebook that he'll come to the episodes with and he'll have like the breakdown of all the categories and he'll have the breakdown of all. Well, he used to be better about this. I do. I don't want to put him on blast, but I feel like recently <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, instances where we've had to kind of stop for a solid five minutes while he researches something that he definitely should have come prepared with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always the one that brings actual paper to the recordings. And we're always like, what the? F-? And then he can't read his own handwriting. Yeah, that's not good. That's like, why I started typing everything. Because we, when we first started also, everything was written by hand. And it started out like... So our very first episode, which I hope nobody ever goes and listens to it because it's it's fucking terrible. But uh, we did Scream, and I know that movie like the back of my hand. So like I didn't have very many notes. But then we started doing movies that like I hadn't seen before, and I was like trying to keep up with it and write, and I had to keep fucking pausing it. And I'm like I'm going to the computer. So then I started typing everything. But then I was writing out like a novel of the books or of the book <laughs> of the movie. So it's like. This is like worse because yeah, I couldn't read my handwriting, but I wasn't writing like 86 pages of notes. So like the episodes were just too long and we fine tuned it needless to say. Yeah. I mean, I tell everybody when I'm recommending the show to them, I'm like, just, well, actually because I joined in the second season. So I tell people just not to, to go <laughs> listen to anything before that. Um, Cause that's what, to me, obviously that's when the show really hit its stride is when I became a part of the team, but naturally, um, yeah, yeah, that's when the the as John calls it the unholy triumvirate. That's when it you know became official. But uh, those early episodes, I used to listen to them, and as like when I wasn't part of the team, and as a big, I was like really the only big podcast listener in the group, and so I was very very critical about like the audio on podcasts. Oh yeah, and so I couldn't even listen to like I can't even go back and listen to our old old like season one episodes because it's just so different. There was a lot less structure. It's funny because we've kind of gone from uh, very unstructured to very structured when I joined. And now we're kind of going back. And I know you guys have talked about this on your show recently, too, going more toward the unstructured uh, kind of feel, because that seems to be what people enjoy when they're listening. Yeah, I think so. More of the bullshitting and like talking about whatever you're passionate about, because we used to always be like, oh, fuck, we got (laughs) to we got to come every week with news that's interesting to talk about. And now we've gotten now we have our chop talk segment which typically we try to be a little bit more loosey-goosey with like uh, we can talk about whatever's interesting and if there is news that we want to talk about we can talk about it right and then we used to have our watch list at the end where we would recommend whatever we had been watching but then half the time because we were watching shit that was just for the podcast we'd all show up with nothing to talk about <laughs> we'd be like we've only been ta- watching the, the seven movies that we made ourselves watch for this fucking podcast so we change that to final cut and so now that's like whatever the fuck and we're still that's not to say that we're any more prepared now when we record than we used to be like we still you know give you a peek behind the curtain we're still sometimes the the day of recording we're deciding what we're doing the next week oh wow and yeah and so we hear uh, you other guys who are so much more prepared with your recording like and i'm sure a lot of that comes with the fact that you have a lot of other responsibilities in your life, like family and kids and stuff. Um, John's the only one in the group that's married and he's, he's the most domesticated of us. And yeah. Then, um, yeah. And then Tone and I are still kind of flying solo. So, well, I have a girlfriend, but 
in case she listens to this, I don't want her to get mad at me. Yeah, you don't want her to get mad at you. No, dude, I can totally relate because the exact same thing. And then, so, well, first off, let's let's go back. You want to introduce your podcast real quick so people know what the hell we're talking about first? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, remember, like I said, jump in at season two. But if you want to start listening to my show, our show, it's called Porcelain Peak. Uh, we are a horror and sci-fi podcast, which is how we like to kind of differentiate ourselves from the 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 larger group of horror podcasts is we're like, we do the sci-fi too. Right. Definitely not as often, but we, we like to cover it. So uh, we started the show probably about three, I'd say like three and a half years ago. Um, I wasn't in the first season. It was just tone and John. And then I joined originally just to do the graphic design. Cause I was like, you guys need a fucking new logo for this show. If you're going to get any listeners. Right. Um, and then it's and then eventually they were like, hey, man, because we've all been friends for I've been friends with Tone since college, freshman year of college. So like almost 10 years. And then uh, John, I worked with for a long time um, at the company that he doesn't like us to na- name since he still works there. Mm, yes. Um, but yeah, so we got it going. We're on season four right now. Jesus. Season four. Um, yeah. And so basically the show is, uh, we start with a segment called chop talk where we talk about any of the news or whatever the new stuff that's interesting to talk about that week is. Um, then we always go into trivia because that seems to be everybody's favorite part of the show. Um, and that's one of our, our signature segments. So we'll do a round of trivia, which we get very fucking competitive in very competitive. Um, It's pretty cutthroat to be honest. Yeah. This new episode, oh man, there's, there's a moment. Because I'll spoil it a little bit for you, because I don't know when this episode that we're recording right now is going to come out. But in our next episode, John fucking snakes a win away from me at the very last (laughs) moment. And he does it in such a (laughs) shysty way that, oh, man, I'm still pissed about it. I can tell, dude. Like steam coming out of your ears. Yeah, yeah. So we do trivia and then we'll have a main discussion where we talk about whatever our theme for the week is. Um, We try to be kind of all over the place. We do a little bit of... We cover whatever new horror stuff is out as long as something that we're even halfway interested in. Um, we're not one of those shows that covers every single fucking thing that comes out. Right. Um, I'm the one in the group who usually watches whatever horror shit comes out. So, you know, so I can log it in my letterbox and look like I'm actually <laughs> doing something with my life. But um, yeah, so we'll do like whatever the new horror stuff is, whatever the new sci-fi stuff is. We like to cover um, themes. So what we're doing for our next two episodes is... Um, International Women's Month episodes. So our Monday episode is going to be um, three movies by three horror movies by female directors. So we're doing uh, Slumber Party Massacre, uh, 12 Hour Shift and Titan. Okay. And then for the episode after that, which we haven't recorded, we're doing uh, sci-fi movies by female directors. So we're doing uh, Real Genius with Val Kilmer, Strange Days and a movie that I picked called Annie Ara. So that's Very what cool. our themes for the next couple weeks are. And we just covered the Batman. You guys did just really cover the Batman. About. You and I had a lengthy conversation about the Batman after we both watched it. Yeah, yeah. I was very, very happy that I had somebody to talk to um, <laughs> after that because I, I briefly mentioned it to you when we were messaging. But the guys and I, we almost never talk at length like immediately after we see a movie. Same, same here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was wondering that. I was going to ask you, like, is it the same in your group when you guys go see movies together? I don't know how often you see the movies that you talk about together. Rarely, if ever, because um, we've, I've, again, we've all got separate things going on. And um, since COVID is kind of, I don't want to say it's it's went away, but it's been uh, marginalized now by other things going on. Um, we were kind of out in the normal society again. So we're like, I travel for work, so I travel quite a bit. So I'm not really here a whole lot, but um yeah, we and Jess has her family and Seth does his thing. So it's we hardly ever see movies together. Seth was supposed to go see the Batman with me and he had a migraine. That was his reason for not going. Uh, okay, very sus, but all right. That's what I said cuz he he does not like long movies cuz he has to piss every 30 seconds. So he like texts me. He's like, "Hey, how long is this?" I said, "3 hours." He was like, "Oh, I went home from work today with the migraine. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to skip the movie." I'm like, "Ah, oh, dude. Come on." You know, you know, I mean, I don't I don't know if you know this just from listening to the show or in our chats, but I'm the same way. I actually, the first thing that I said to Tone when we walked out of the Batman was, or maybe he said it to me, he was like, I'm shocked that you didn't have to walk out of that to pee because I'm always, <laughs> like, I'm notorious with whatever we do. Like, when we're recording the show, yeah, I, oh, I have, like, a scheduled pee break usually right after we do, like, the Patreon plug ads thing. I always okay. have to pee by that point. Um and in movies, yeah, I'm always like our commentaries. I'm you'll hear if you if you're listening to our commentaries for any of the movies that we do, you'll usually hear me leave like two or three times. I was gonna to say over, I've like, been listening, and then like I'll be like, man, Anthony hasn't said anything in a while, and then I'll like hear you come back in the room. I'm like, oh, he must have been using the bathroom. And then all of a sudden, you like jump into whatever they're talking about. So I'm like, yeah, you must have been out of the room. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the day <laughs> when I try because I it's. <laughs> It's really like Catherine Zeta Jones, like dipping beneath lasers and stuff. When right. I try to get out, when I try to get out of that room, because we have a very small studio. I don't know what okay. your guys is. Do you record separately? No. Like, um, so we have. Um, so I recently, I October of 2020, I moved. We used to record in like a closet, and then we moved into this house. And so I have an off, like a home office. So basically, what we did is we turned one of the rooms in the basement into my office. A movie room and then the back half of it which i'm in now is the podcast studio area so like we, we have plenty of room now but uh before it was excruciatingly difficult to do anything because like for me to get out of where i was at before like we would literally have to fold the table up damn yeah, yeah no we, uh, yeah i can totally relate our i mean our our space right now is not anything amazing it's it's a small office room it's tone's office at his place and it's better than it used to be because they also started in a closet so the joke that we always say is like when i joined the show that's when porcelain peak came out of the closet because uh. uh, we had you know because there were three of us we had to have some setup where yeah. we could all fit and so we just have like the cart with all of our audio equipment shoved between the three of us and yeah. then we each have a chair like at the furthest corner of the room um and it's so funny when we record stuff with other people and we're all together because we have to cram super close together and try to get as so we can all be in the frame. Yes. So like when we we're recording all those trivia episodes and stuff, we're all trying to like fit in the frame so that people can see us all. Um, so there, there are pros and cons to having um, a small space. We like it because it feels very, um, you know, we're super we're close to each other. So it feels like, you know, if I'm right. mad at John, I could just reach over and fucking slap him. Yeah. Well, see, I know, can actually I could... literally touch either one of them. They both sit like right here and the microphones we have doesn't bleed over. So we can like be very close and talk to each other. But I remember coming on for your guys's, uh, 
uh, trivia thing because we I had just moved into this house, so we probably looked real like we were in a dungeon or something because we don't think there was any lights or anything down here, and we had just recorded an episode. And if I remember correctly, Seth and I, Jess opted out because she had something to do, but Seth and I were on, and we were very intoxicated. Yeah. Yeah, it was embarrassing, frankly. It for was, you. Dude, it was <laughs> terrible. Like I remember, yeah. I think you asked somebody asked John a question. I think I answered it because I thought you guys were talking to us, and you were like, N- "That actually yeah. wasn't for you." <laughs> I well, like, oh, I mean, <laughs> the the good thing was you guys were not the only guests that we were having on that special, so it wasn't a complete train wreck. We had, you know, yeah. we had like uh, Daniel from Creepy Crap was on that that episode, so yeah. you know, we had and. You know, I miss him. And uh, so sometimes I like to go back to that episode. I sometimes forget everybody that was on that episode, too, because I think we had like 12 guests or something. It was a lot. I didn't envy you for having to do all that. That had to have been a lot of work. Yeah. And I don't even remember how we were editing before um, when we were doing that. I think that's when we finally started breaking up the editing, because when we first started the show or when I was first on the show, I think Tone edited the whole thing like from the beginning. And then... At some point, I took over when I joined. So I was editing, doing the social media and the graphic design and stuff. Um, and then, oh, because I was unemployed for a year because of COVID. So I was like, yeah, I'll do all the shit. You're like, I got this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when I started my job, I was like, I can't do all this. So then John started editing. But then we started doing these you know, crazy fucking guest episodes. Or you know, now some of our episodes go for two plus hours yeah. so now we just as soon as we're done we have a whole like scientific system worked out that john plugs his flash drive into tone's computer grabs the audio splits it up into three chunks so we all have like exactly even segments to edit oh really and yeah and then uploads it to google drive and then we all edit like whenever we have time like i'll edit at work since i'm at my like good computer yeah and i have time between projects and then he just stitches it all together, adds all the ad stuff and all the in-between segments. So you're all three Patreon editing stuff. every episode? Yeah. Yeah. Holy Which I always cow. wonder because, you know, when I listen to it, I obviously am too familiar with the conversation and who edited which parts. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wonder if other people can tell that there's multiple editors throughout I would the have not guessed that. I wouldn't have had any idea now. And I'm like I'm I'm like you like when we first started I was like we because we had gotten the idea because we were uh, didn't hang out as much we were, we decided so we would see each other because we all used to work together and then we all kind of I Seth and I used to work for the same corporation but we're in different like sectors of the corporation basically and Jess completely left she works for her brother's company but um so we weren't like seeing each other as much as we used to we used to have lunch together every day and that's when we had all these conversations and then like our families and stuff hung out but long story short we hardly saw each other and then covid happened so we made this agreement to like get together once a month like to have a movie night and we did that and we were like talking through the whole freaking movie of course so we're like we should do a podcast and then i was like okay let me look into it and i had a buddy that had done a podcast and i had been on his a few times but he like started sending me all these links and stuff and everything that i read was like the first thing you have to do is make sure you have good audio quality so i'm like i'm not doing it unless we get a mixing board and you have to have these types of microphones and all of this stuff and they were all both of them like okay cool it's like i immediately dove into like the the nerd the geek aspect of it, right? Like editing and like what software to use for editing, which I ended up just using audacity and I still use it and love it. But 
that was one fortunate thing we did out of the gate was we made sure we had good equipment and our audio quality was was okay and and maybe that's why some of the first few episodes suffer content wise because I was so focused on making sure everything sounded good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I totally understand that because I mean our show didn't start out like that. Like we I they did their best. The mic that tone started out with was a mic that I gifted him because mm. we had had the idea because we had a very similar and I think a lot of people who do these you know podcasts with other people um which I honestly think is the best way to do a show like it's just I I feel so so bad for the people who have to try to run shows by themselves or get a um, guest for every single episode yeah it's crazy but um yeah when we like I said, I've known Tone for like 10 years and that's how we actually met in uh, a drawing class was, well, one, we had the same first name. So we got like grouped together for some project or whatever. Naturally. And then, yeah. And then the first thing we started talking about was Tim Burton movies. Um, <laughs> Cause, we, and we were both just like, we're huge Tim Burton fans. And then that grew into like, Oh, we're both just huge horror movie fans. And uh, so we knew each other for a while and then kind of grew apart a little bit. But then I asked him randomly at one point because he was looking for a place and I needed a roommate. I was like, hey, do you want to move in with me? So we lived together for a while when I was finishing up college. And uh, we we would every October, I had started this thing with myself because I wanted to get a broader knowledge of horror movies. So I would just pick 31 horror movies I hadn't seen during October and do a 31 movie marathon. Um and he joined in with me. So that started to be a thing. And then we kind of grew apart again. And I started working with John. <clears throat> and it was one of those crazy coincidences where John's wife worked with Tone at his job. Really? And I worked with John at my job. Yeah. <laughs> so we all just ended up separately becoming gr friends and then merged as a friend group. Yeah. John, of course, when I was at work with him, we would always talk about movies, like whatever was new coming out. He had a movie review show at the local theater that he would do with a couple other guys. So we all kind of were circling around doing this show for a long time, just with like our conversations we were having. And I was very interested in podcasts. Like I, I still not as much now because I do one, but I used to just obsessively listen to nothing but podcasts. Yeah. So, yeah, we eventually just got to the point where we were like, let's do a show. And um then it didn't really happen. You know, a lot of those things where you're like, oh, yeah, guys, you know, you've had a few drinks and you're like, we should totally make, put this on on uh, audio or whatever. Yeah. Never happened. But Tone actually started his own show um, that I think you can still find on on Apple Podcasts, but it's called Passion Projects. And I did the look like the cover art for it. And it was where he would interview his friends who did like different artistic things or okay. like were really into sound design or whatever. So he did that for about 10 episodes and then realized that it was fucking impossible for him to get guests for every episode. Yeah. Yeah. So then, but he still wanted to do a podcast. So that's when he and John got together and started doing it. I was going through a pretty rough patch in my life at that point. So I was like, okay, hey, I got to get my shit figured out. And then maybe one day they'll ask me because I was, I was pretty <laughs> jealous when I saw that they had started a show. I was like, well, right. Cause they were your friends, right? Like separately. Yeah. And then your friends yeah, became and they knew that friends. I was, yeah. They knew that I was into podcasts and the horror and sci-fi. And I was like, you motherfuckers. They fucking backdoored you, dude. Me. Yeah. And so the day when they asked me to join, I was just like, I tried to play it cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I might have the time for that. I can uh, <laughs> rearrange some things. <laughs> I find it crazy that you're the... So do they not listen to podcasts at all? Just you listen to podcasts? 
Um, Tone's gotten more into it recently. We all have just very like different uh, tastes and what we like to listen to. Like Tone mostly listens to uh, trivia stuff, like trivia shows. Okay. And he listens to the Workaholics guys podcast. Um, yeah. This is important. So he likes like the comedy stuff. Um, John is really, really into like whatever the Twitch streamers and YouTubers are doing. Mm. Like he's all like deep into internet culture. That's why half the time on the show we're like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying, dude, because he he's always just like picking up whatever, you know, shit that they're saying the the Gen Zers are saying on, right. on TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Trying to pretend like like I'm the youngest in the group and I'm the one who's like, dude, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Like he's speaking another language. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And um, so yeah, and then I have just always really been into like every kind of podcast. I have like comedy ones, mm. um, ones where uh, you know other people talking about movies and then obviously getting into this community that kind of exploded my library of podcasts yeah. to listen to until it became overwhelming and it really is freaking overwhelming i was who was i talking with the other day i think it was mark maybe from elm street but i was like i feel bad because like i when i first started doing this we i listened to a bunch of horror podcasts Cause at first i was like cause i love horror movies i have a whole sleeve of tattoos of horror movies but i was like I love horror movies. There has to be people out there that talk because I was like really into Rogan. Like that's probably what what I first got into was Rogan naturally, right? But I so I was like, man, there's got to be something that is just about horror movies. So I'm like, I find like a couple good ones, which they were like the ones that were on like Bloody Disgusting and um, what's the other one? Uh, Consequences of Sound, their network. They had a few on there. But, um, oh, yeah, okay. So I started listening to those, and all they did was like rip on it. Like they would talk about a movie, but then they would like rip on it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to listen to this. Like after like four, it got boring. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do one where we talk positively about horror movies, right? So then we kind of worked this whole thing out. And uh, and then I was like, found a few. I, I think Elm Street or Two Chicks was one of the first ones we had networked with. Um, and it was like, oh my God, there's like 800 of these out here. Like once you like finally like dig into it, it's like, it's, oh my gosh. It's kind of scary. I mean, they are horror shows, but it's it's it was very intimidating for me because we start when I joined the social media for the show, we had 80 followers and that hadn't fluctuated in probably like a year. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go on to social media because it was something that I was starting to get interested in. Now that's it's part of what I do for my job. But um yeah, I was like, okay, how are we going to grow this? And I was like, we got to network with some of these podcasts. And then just there were so many to follow. And I wanted to try to be like, actually, actually actively networking with these right. people. So that that meant listening to their show, finding out like things I could be, you know, because I, if I sent any of these shows a message, I wanted it to be like, hey, I heard this joke on your show. Exactly. I thought it was really funny. Instead of like, hey, here's my link to my shit. Like, <laughs> Go follow. Go here's my link tree. Go follow all my stuff. You know, my favorite is when somebody emails us or, or instant messages us on Instagram, and you can tell they've never listened to the show at all. But they start with like, "Hey, love your love your content or love what you guys are doing. Uh, would love to be a guest or would you come? Would you want to come be a guest?" And like you start talking with them, and you can just tell they have never listened to the show like at all, right? Yeah. So like I didn't I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy. So like I would listen to some episodes and then like like I said I think Elm Street was the first one and maybe I can't remember when we started talking with you guys, but I know Elm Street was probably one of the first ones and then two chicks, but uh and then you like start seeing who they're talking to and like going down that rabbit hole and yeah, I'm with you. Like I was trying to listen to all of them cuz I didn't want to be that guy. 
but now it's just it's so hard honestly it's like it's like overwhelming at this point to try to keep up with everything well yeah it's like when you first start really any job that you're maybe like excited about taking on as much as you can and you're like yeah i'm gonna like really just try to be the fucking best employee i can possibly be and then Mm -hmm. after you work there for a little while you're like okay i'm gonna do what i can actually get accomplished like and not be over overdoing it because i'm not gonna be able to work this job for much longer if i keep overextending myself yeah and that's really how i felt about you know i had to as much as I wanted to listen to everybody's shows, uh, now it's it's easier because I'm in contact with a lot of you guys often mm-hmm. enough that it doesn't feel as as much of an obligation. And I think we've a, a lot of us have had conversations about like, hey, we all know we have busy lives, so right. as long as we're still supporting each other in in the new episodes, and like, you know, I still try to like all of your guys's posts and like uh, try to keep up on what you guys are talking about on on the shows, so that yeah. I can bring it up on our show or I can you know bring it up in conversation. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just like, I, I listen to our show mostly. And then like two other podcasts now, and the two other podcasts are like my own secret podcasts. That I don't <laughs> even really like talk with anybody else about. They're not part of like any of the groups or anything like my sacred podcasts. Yeah. You don't want them to get I too big. To. You don't, you're like, it's like that band when you're in high school, you don't like, you don't want to, you wear the t-shirts and then other people hear about them and then like want to come talk to you about the band. And you're like, you don't, you don't listen to that band. That's my band. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But to be honest, I so I knew I had listened to your guys' show before because um, and this goes back to when you were talking about like being so picky about how your audio sounded. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be judgy about all all the podcasts, but there were definitely podcasts in our group where I was like, okay, these guys like have it on lock already. And I I thought your guys' audio sounded great from when I first started listening. So I was like, cool, they at least got that. (laughs) But I don't think I had really had time to listen to like get the vibe of what your guys' show was until I knew I was going to be coming on for this. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go listen to your, your cocktails episodes. So I listened to those first and I, I actually went to the guys like on a recording day and I was like, you guys should listen to horror movie crew. It, Cause they, they are even worse uh, than I am right. in terms of like listening to anything. Like I don't even anticipate that they'll listen to any shows. I kind of give them all the updates on what's going on <laughs> right. in the community. Yeah. When we get together. Um, but I was like, you guys should listen to horror movie crew because they're they're fucking funny. Like I was <laughs> cracking up. And that's why I was messaging you like about the different stuff in like your episode with Mark that was mm. um, get had me rolling because I was like, oh, fuck, I've been really missing out by not listening to this show. What's funny so. is like when we started, <laughs> we were all serious and like here's the other thing about listening to other people's podcasts which i would to anybody who's just starting out i would highly suggest not listening to other people's podcasts because what we did is we didn't like go listen to a bunch of people's stuff and then come up with our idea like our outline is what we came up with but then i started listening to other podcasts and i was like oh man like you guys did trivia and we're really great at it and um some other people did like a lightning question round which we were also doing and then there was like all this stuff and i'm like man i hope these guys don't think that we're like ripping them off right like all these other podcasts so then like we sat down we had like i remember we had done a bunch of episodes we were i have a bar out back that we hang out at in the summer and uh we were hanging out back there and i was like what we were talking the three of us i was like what is our differentiator between everybody else when everybody else does and I think Seth said he was like, we're funnier than everybody else. And I was like, why don't we lean into that? So then as the episode started to come out, like the the beginning of the episode started being 30 to 35 minutes of us just like naturally having come, like none of it's scripted. It's all just that we sit down and we start talking. Then we hit record and we talk and 
Like it's just us razzing on each other and making fun of each other and saying stupid stuff to one another. And it's like that. And it made it honest to God, a lot more fun to do. And that was like our, our thing. So I appreciate you saying that because that's one of the things we really leaned into was let's not censor what we're saying. Let's not filter the jokes that we say back and forth. And yeah, we've gotten some emails or IMs from people that didn't like something we said on the show, but fuck them. They can go listen to something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think we have, it, we, I think you guys were talking about this at some point on, I don't know who you were talking with about it. Maybe it was Mark or maybe it was Brooke, but um, you guys were talking about like how many one-star ratings you had on your show yeah, um, and like whether you had gotten comments or whatever. And I, and I have, I think we have one one-star review, maybe two, but they don't have any comments. And when mm. you guys were talking about that, like, oh, is it those ones that are just like fucking pussies and they don't, <laughs> they don't leave a comment. They just leave a rating. <laughs> I'm, I swear to God, I'm convinced because of timing that they're ex-girlfriends of mine that did it despite me. They I've might do- be. Cause, yeah. Cause I've been doing the show for long enough now that I've had uh, a couple girlfriends and, um, you know, we, we'll go through a breakup and maybe like I come off as the asshole. And then I look the next day on our, our podcast rating and we got a one star with no comment. Sure enough, like, dude, it's your fault. Yeah. I'm fucking CSI Miami on that. And uh, yeah, cause, cause you know, that's just how, how it is. Um, I get to invent what this, what kind of person is leaving these one star reviews since yeah. they won't leave me any clues or anything. We've been fortunate. Like Some we've... of ours have get, they leave them. They just tell us exactly what they think. And while you know what, I appreciate their honesty. Uh, I was reading them and then Jessica told me I was coming off petty. So I, I said, okay, I won't read them anymore, but yeah, it's like, hey, I can totally see where you're coming from, but um, go to hell uh, and and never listen to our show again. Yeah, no, they um, can keep listening no- if they want. I love the downloads, so I I hope that like with me, um, which is this is one thing. Somebody commented telling us that because uh, I used I used to crack the beer can uh, before we go into the actual movie discussion. Oh yeah, and you said that didn't you edit together like a like a super crack? Oh, dude, there's like, like that, eight like- of them now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he didn't like the first one, so here's seven more, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so now every so episode every episode some, I, it's in there some people are just like that when they listen to anything like i so i have a very specific uh thing about like mouth noises it even annoys me like on our show mm-hmm. and i've i've stopped the show at, at points and been like okay we gotta drink some water or something because <laughs> i can't fucking we can't do the mouth noises <laughs> and um, i'm like that with movies too like if there's like kissing scenes or somebody's eating and the sound design makes it so you can really hear them yeah. chewing and stuff it just drives me insane and uh so i can totally see if some weird aversion to like the sound of you cracking open your stuff but yeah. to me it adds it adds flavor you know it adds you guys are talking about drinking. Like, why not add the sound, the foley work, the sound effects? That's what I'm saying, and it's a natural motion that I'm doing anyway. So I might as well capture it. Yeah, yeah, you're living in the moment on your show. But it sounds like we had very, uh, we have very similar kind of journeys with our shows because we started off very, very, like I said, like in the middle period when I joined, the show became very structured because we we had also listened to a lot of shows that were more like professionally produced big Mm. network shows we hadn't listened to as many like just fans talking about stuff kind of shows and so uh, and all most of those shows have very uh stringent structures like uh the one of my examples of like how i always wanted our show to be was the rewatchables um on the ringer and they have very they have a whole like 
10 segments or something that they do. So when we started out, it was very much about like the segments. And like you said, how the segments were going to like make us stand out. Like, what can we do with the segments to make them interesting? And just as we went, we realized that we had more fun if we were more just loose with it and talked more like we would just in an actual conversation with each other. And right. Yeah. So it's even hard for me to go back and listen to some of the early episodes and we make fun of ourselves because we're also <laughs> just like, you can tell we're not comfortable in front of the microphone. And right. I don't think, and I don't think until all three of us were there and we had like the, the actual chemistry of what it's like when we're together, like when we go to a, sh a concert or like when we hang out together, like until the three of us were there, I, that's, you know, I joked earlier about that's when the show really hit its stride. But I do think that like before that, the two of them, because it was just the two of them, you know, it was hard to get that we call it like the triple flow, like the Migos triple flow. Right. Um, yeah. Of the three of us going into like some ridiculous fucking tangent on a conversation. And the more we got into that stuff and the more comfortable, the more fun the show got to do. And, and I think it's so more fun to listen to. I think when people, cause the people have given us this compliment, which, and I get it when I listen to you guys, same with like Elm street or, or two chicks. I keep plugging those two. I need to quit it. But, um, it's like you just feel like you're in the room with them and they're talking and you're like a part of the like sometimes uh, I'll I generally listen to people's podcasts when I'm working out and like I'll like stop working out and get my phone out and like text them about something there. I'll like pause it. And I'm like, well, here's why I completely disagree with what well, you guys. I've probably done it to you. <laughs> but then I'm like, God, I'm so fucking obnoxious. But then I'm like, if the show is good enough to make me stop what I'm doing, or the, the, if the conversation is good enough to make me stop what I'm doing and feel the need to write them and tell them why they're right or why they're wrong, like that means they're doing something very well. So that's that's what I hope people get from us. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Like we we definitely take... Like I'm never upset when when like you or anybody else messages us saying that they disagree on a point that we've made, and like we have obviously a relationship where like we obviously disagree heavily on <laughs> certain directors and you know certain types of movies and stuff, and we've kind of like come to accept that about each other. Um, and I really enjoy that stuff. Like I don't want I don't want all the conversations I have with people to just be like you know sucking my dick all the time about whatever opinion I have on my show, right? Like, you know, then it's boring. And th the thing that we like about the three of us and our show is that we very regularly have different opinions. Sometimes we get go, get to the point where we're very heated about something. Yeah. Um, about a, a, a movie. And that's what makes it fun because it's for me when we if I watch a movie and I'm like, I don't think I fully understood that in this watch. I know by the time we end our conversation, I'll have at least like three times more of an understanding of what that movie was about because I get to hear different sides of it. And so whenever you message me with something or anybody else messages me with something that is in disagreement, I'm always like, cool, like, let's discuss that. Like right. When you were, when we were talking about the Batman to go all the way back to when we were talking about that, <laughs> um, you know, I appreciated that you maybe on the first watch didn't like it as much as I did. Cause I was like, cool, my feelings are not set in stone on this movie. And I want to hear what other people think about it. Cause when you walk, when you walk out of a movie like that for the first time, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of right. like, you know, and that's why a lot of time it's hard to t for us to talk about a movie, to go back to that subject too. When we first come out of a movie is because we're all kind of feeling that like that, like post nut clarity yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. <laughs> where we're just like all kind of spaced out and trying to deal with like all of our expectations going into the movie and then how it actually performed for us. And so we just usually we'll just exchange a couple words like, oh, I liked this thing. Oh, I didn't like that thing. 
or in the case of a movie that we thought was really awful like halloween kills we'll just walk out and i'll stare at each other with like horrified <laughs> expressions and then i'll get Dude. in our cars and go home <laughs> we watched that here i'm so glad you know i always say this and i on our last episode, I think I, I corrected myself because I said, I've always said I'm so glad that we didn't go to the movies to see that movie. Uh, we streamed it. Seth and I streamed it here, uh, and Abby, my wife, watched it with us. But like, and Abby's real big into horror movies too. But we we were stre- we streamed it here, and there were several times. Yeah, and again, you know this. Everybody listens. We uh, we drink heavily, so like we had to pause it four or five times and make new drinks. Right? You get you know your beers emptier, your vodka glasses empty, and you got to get a new one. But we so we had like several times during the movie that we didn't have we wouldn't have had if we went to the theater to see it because we would like go over to the bar in the kitchen in the kitchen it sounds like I have a lot of bars here doesn't it but yeah we have a bar in the kitchen so we go over to the bar and uh, we're like man this is not great is it and like no we don't like this or that so we go back and we sit down and by the end of it like it was over and I look over at Seth and he goes what the fuck was that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to say it yeah just to, to break that fucking ice yeah i mean that's that's the, pretty much the, the exact reaction that we had but i think none i think we were all just too really afraid to vocalize it because once we said it it would be like set in stone yeah like once one of us said like fuck that shit like what the hell was that yeah um and tone is usually the one who says we'll say it first like he it, it does. It's not always the case. Like things shift around because we all have different tastes and what we like and stuff. But he's usually the most critical of movies, and he's usually the first to be like, "Hey, I didn't love this." Yeah. Um, and then John tends to be on the exact opposite side, where he is so forgiving about movies, and mm-hmm. he can be very nitpicky about things, but he tends to just love stuff if it's fun. And then I kind of sit somewhere in the middle, where it really just kind of like depends on how I felt and what I had to eat that day, and. <laughs> the mood you were in before you went into the the theater yeah yeah how high i was at the time yeah um yeah so for halloween kills it was just we were just like i said stunned silence after that movie and we all know that it's going to take us some time before we record to really like figure out what our emotions are and sometimes that's great because then by the time we get into recording like, i'm so glad we don't record things right after we see them because yeah. we'll get in and we'll have really figured out a way to tear that that movie a new one by the time we get right. on mic right yeah well i'm just glad i didn't record and i think you and i had this conversation honestly this has been a recurring theme for me lately is that like i'll watch a movie it was scream and you know i'm i got ghost faces here there's another one here there, there he's all over the place down here but like scream is my favorite franchise my favorite horror movie is scream um i went to see the new one scream five five cream 22 whatever you want to call it <laughs> and uh Abby and I went to see it opening night, so we left, and I knew I was going to see it again in the morning with Jess and Seth, one of the rare times we went to see it together, but like we left the theater, and Abby was like, so, well, what did you, what did you think? Because she knows how much I love the movies, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know, but if you, I, you may not remember, but it, for anybody that listens, they knew I was like, I was like hyping this fucking movie, dude, because I love Ready or Not. Ready or Not's one of my favorite horror movies. I think the radio silence guys are brilliant. I like the writers they brought in for this and just the way that the, the behind the scenes stuff I'd been reading about, about how it came together and all three of the legacy characters bought into it. And Kevin Williamson bought into it. I was like, this, this movie is going to be fantastic. And I go into it. I enjoyed it watching it. It had me engaged the whole time. I'm like trying to figure out who it is, et cetera. We left. And I was like, man, I don't know. So I like slept on it. And honestly, it bothered me probably more than it should have, but I <laughs> I let it. But so 
slept on it. Next day, get up, do, you do whatever. Then the three of us from the horror movie crew go and watch it. And dude, I like loved it. Like absolutely yeah. loved it. And they get in the car and we're leaving because we were going to come back and record an episode on it, which I'm glad we cut it short because it was just it didn't have a good vibe to the episode, honestly. So I, I we cut it short. But um, they were me. They were like, I don't know, man. There was I just I don't know. And then I'm sitting there driving back like that was fucking great. So I'm like, you guys <laughs> have to watch it again. And then since it's been streaming this week, I've already watched it three times this week. And I'm like, I was telling Seth yesterday we were talking. I was like, dude, this is quickly becoming my favorite Scream movie. And he was like, more than the first one? And I was like, eh, let's not get carried away. But it's sitting at probably three right now behind Scream 1 and Scream 4 and then probably 5. But I think the more I watch, every time I watch this one, I like it more. I don't know what it is. It's just the writing is brilliant. The way the radio silence guys filmed it and the stuff that they have trickled in, it's, I don't know. I just, every time I watch it, I like it even more. Um, and I watched it again last night, and that's when I was texting, talking to Seth. Like, this movie's quickly becoming my favorite Scream movie. Yeah. I mean, I can say, surprisingly, I, this is one thing that I don't disagree with you on. <sighs> I knew um, we'd find something. Yeah, yeah, we would finally break through, break on through to the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I rewatched it last night because you messaged me all the, a lot of that stuff that you just said. You had messaged to me last night, and I was like, okay, well, this is going to be one thing I know for sure we're going to be able to talk about is yeah. this movie, and and we're also very vocal on our show about how Scream is pretty much part of all three of our kind of uh, breaking into loving horror. Um, I think for both Tone and I, it was seeing Scream 2 first and then okay. going back and seeing the original. But yeah, Scream is super important to all of us. And so we were hyped for this that movie too, for five. And, you know, obviously we tried to keep our expectations in check, which is very difficult when you have such an emotional attachment to <laughs> I franchise. clearly did not do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and we just have learned from being like heartbroken from being just backstabbed by movies too many times that we were excited about that we were like okay just keep your expectations in check but i was also i i think that i was too drunk the first time i saw ready or not to really remember that movie because mm. for there was a stretch because i you know i i think everybody in the group knows that i don't i haven't drank for a couple of years now but for a while there like my routine was to regularly pass out about uh, a quarter to halfway through a, a movie in the theater <laughs> um because i would have already had like you know, three 10% uh, beers or something before the movie even started. So yeah. I, I like, I remember like the f first quarter of uh, ready player one and then waking up in the, at the end of the movie and going, well, that fucking sucked. <laughs> you know, that, that used to just be my experience with a lot of movies. So yeah. And, um, but yeah, for scream, um, we were, we were all super, super excited about it. And when we got out of it, I think we all had that same feeling of like, okay, uh, I don't really know how to, and, and I feel like I have that feeling a lot more now than I used to because I've just seen so many fucking movies. Same, one hundred percent. I did it. I, I think we were talking about this too. I just did it with uh, Texas Chainsaw. Same exact yeah. experience. Yeah, and especially like I talk about because we we just did twelve hour shift, like I said on our newest recording, and I had seen that movie before, but I had zero memory of it. And all I, the only reason I knew I had seen it was because I rated it three and a half on Letterboxd. <laughs> and there are so many movies from the the first year of the pandemic when I was unemployed because I was watching like three or four movies a day and logging them on Letterboxd. And I was getting like a massive and it was mostly horror. 
And it just got to a point where I just couldn't, my brain couldn't sustain it anymore. But I think just because I've seen so many movies now, I regularly will just walk out of a movie and go, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that for a little bit before Mm -hmm. I can really decide what I thought of it. And especially for Scream, like I had, I think all of us had rewatched the previous four movies leading up to this new one. So you obviously have your brain full of all of the little details about Scream. But I think that made five so much more rewarding watching it is, you know, I think unlike any other franchise, like this doesn't work with Texas Chainsaw. It doesn't work really with Halloween anymore, but with Scream that the movies stack on top of each other so well and build on the previous movies plot. And there's, and we talked a lot about this on our episode where we talked about all the Scream movies. The continuity is incredible for a horror franchise. Oh, totally through. Yeah, through these five movies and the fact that we even got in the new one, Officer Judy coming back like a character who was only in four, but now we get her back here. And just all the little references like having Randy's sister in there Mm -hmm. and having like the memorial theater. So yeah, I I knew that I really liked it. And it wasn't until rewatching it last night that I was in the same boat as you. I was like, okay, I may rank this third. And our ranking, I think is the same. For me, it's one one four and then maybe five yeah, um, definitely definitely i had to say yeah. like i said i was i think i just put it too high up on a pedestal of what i wanted it to be but i also uh, i think jess and i were talking about this is that those movies the first time i watched it i was so engulfed with trying to outsmart the writers and figure out who it was they like i missed so much of the stuff that makes it great like i was like okay who and obviously, I, honestly, I should have known who the freaking killer. My wife knew who the killers were, and I didn't. I was because I, I think I tried to outsmart myself, right? I'm like, no, it can't be this person. It can't be Richie because Billy was the killer in the first one. They wouldn't do that, but would they do that? Because that's what you would think they would do. So like the whole time yeah. I'm watching it, I'm like not even paying attention. I'm like, okay, so okay, this person said that, and they looked at this person this way. So I like couldn't enjoy, knowing who the killers were and how everything played out. Like watching it the second time. I like got to enjoy it for what it was, right? And I looked for like the Easter eggs and all of the the stuff. But having the ability to like pause it and rewind it and watch it at home now, now you can like like that. One of the things I didn't notice until last night was Mindy's uh, Mindy Meeks, Randy's uh, niece. Like that whole dialogue she does when they come to their house and she's talking about horror movies and how each one intertwines and why certain things can't happen, but this can happen. Like. It's so well written, but also she does a great job when she's acting it out. And you can even see some of Randy's mannerisms in the way that she is delivering the line. So I'm like watching it. I like rewound it like three times. And I was like, wow, she did a really, like I never noticed, right? The first time. And it's just like the yeah. things like that that you don't catch on to until you watch it again. And I think the more I watch it, I really think that there's just so much in that movie um, if you really, and for those, and I've talked to a handful of people online that just shit all over it and we're not fans of it and that's fine. That's their opinion. But I really think if you really give it a fair shot and you look at, and again, not just the writing of it, but the way it's directed and, and the things that they make light of, or that you may see like over in the corner that isn't totally what you're supposed to be watching for, like Randy's, uh, home theater thing like when the, there's just certain things going on in all these shots that like the more you watch it the better the movie gets and every time i watch it it gets better i, I would love to watch it again tonight but it probably isn't gonna happen 
Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said. And for me, um, and I always talk about this with movies that we've seen in theaters, and especially movies like this, where the writing, like being able to follow what's going on in the plot and what people are saying is important if you're trying to like figure out what the mystery is. Um, having subtitles is amazing. Oh, yes. Yeah, so like yeah. the movie that made me really realize, because the first time I saw it, The Lighthouse, um, when I saw the first time I saw The Lighthouse, I was like, okay, I don't know if I fucking liked that movie. And then I rewatched it with the subtitles and could understand what the fuck everybody was saying in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, this movie is fucking hilarious. And I didn't get half the, the jokes or anything because I couldn't understand what the fuck they were saying. Um, yeah. And in Scream, it's not the same, obviously, but it, it helped a lot to pick up like the little details of what everybody is saying. Like you were saying with the little Easter eggs. And what I love so much about this new movie too is that the tone of it is what could have really made or bro or broke it mm -hmm. because obviously the, the you have the benefit of having Wes Craven and for the most part, Kevin Williamson, not for all of them, but for the most part, the same team doing the first four movies. Mm -hmm. And so now having such a new team and everything, I was afraid. And then even seeing the trailers, seeing how kind of brutal it looked like more horror oriented. I was nervous about how the tone would be, but I felt that it fit in the way it was shot in the way that it was written in the vibe of all the characters fit so comfortably in with the rest of the scream movies that it just felt like they had made it with a lot of reverence for the franchise. Mm -hmm. And it had so many moments where you're like, Oh, that's a cool new spin and totally a scream moment. Like when, uh, I was called 13 reasons why the kid with the blonde hair, oh, he plays his name's Judy. Wes, Wes, Wes Hicks. Wes. Yeah. When he's going through the kitchen to, pre to prepare for the sushi and he keeps doing the, the fake out yes. jump scares with the different cabinets and the doors. And then I love how much the movie telegraphs exactly what the fuck's going on from the very first scene, because, and when we're safe to talk about spoilers, I assume, because I know that the movie took a long time to come out. In oh yeah, no, you're good. I don't give a Canada shit and stuff. So we're good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody gives a shit anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm just so used to seeing movies on opening day and then having the guys to talk about talk right with them. So when there's a movie that I can't talk about, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, this one this killed me because Elm Street couldn't watch it for like a month after it came out. And they like text me. They're like, please do not tell us what happens in Scream, Josh, because I know as soon as you see it, you're going to want to fucking talk about it. And we can't see it like we there's no way for us to see it like theaters are closed. I was like, all right, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, just you're just like. You know what? Fuck you. It's not my fault that your guys' uh, country's theaters are closed. Like, Bunch of communists. It's not my fault. Come on, man. <laughs> seriously. Um, yeah. So, yeah, from the very beginning, like I was saying, they telegraph what's going on because she's texting with Amber and mm -hmm. she's she has that reveal where she's like, this isn't Amber. But then when you look back on the movie, you're like, oh, it just was Amber. Like they just right. telegraphed who it was from the very beginning. And then there are so many scenes where like from the very beginning, Dewey just cracks the entire thing. Like he knows exactly what's going on. He's like, oh, it's always the, the love interest. And it's always somebody in the friend group of the girl who was attacked. Of yeah. Tara. So he got both of them like from there. So if you're if you're taking that stuff at face value, you're like, oh, but you don't because I think what you're saying earlier about that reverse psychology of like, oh, would they do this or is that too obvious or are they doing it because we think it's too obvious and so we're going to be overthinking exactly. it. Exactly. And me saying that and then I'm sitting here now talking with you, there's a line that Richie says at the end of it and he says, you should have listened to Dewey. He figured that shit out in act one. Like yeah. as as he's like at the end when it's revealed who he is, I think it's right after he stabs uh, 
oh god, what's her name? The uh, Sam. He stabs Sam, or he stabs Sam, and he. <laughs> and of course, the first thing he says is, "Yeah, I know it sucks. It's me," because that's what everybody in the audience is thinking. Like, no. Yeah, not not the boys. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know it sucks. It's me. And then, like, watching it the second time, I'm like, that's what I thought. I was like, no, not Richie. Like, I wanted him to be in the next one. But then he says to her, he's like, you should have listened to Dewey. He figured that shit out in Act One. And I'm like, yeah, he, you should have listened to Dewey. Damn it. Yeah, and I think that's how uh, you can tell that the movie was written with confidence. Like, if I was trying to write a Scream movie, I'd be so fucking nervous to get it right and, like, get the mystery right. But you can tell that it was written with confidence because they telegraphed the whole thing from, like, act one. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that I'm a dumb bitch when it comes to movies. Like, I am never the person who, like, figures everything out ahead of time. Unless the movie is obviously, like, very predictable and it's, like, every other horror movie I've seen or whatever. But... A lot of the time I'll walk out of a movie in tone or John will go, oh, yeah, I knew who the killer was like from the from the beginning. And I'm like, dude, I was completely yeah. blown away. Like I had no idea. Um, and so they're always better about picking up like the little clues throughout the movie. And I'm kind of just more along for the ride. Even right. though I am very like analytical about movies. It's just I'm just dumb sometimes when it comes to like a, a mystery. I think I like to let my brain kind of like let the mystery surprise me instead of trying right. to get ahead of it. Sure. No, I mean, I was that's I've honest to God thinks think that's what ruined my first watch of it was because I was trying to figure it out. And like we kind of talked about, it was like the movie is written from such a fan perspective, which I was listening to another podcast, um, which I listen to pretty regularly. Uh, the don't go out there podcast. Those guys are awesome. Um, go check them out. But they did an interview with Guy Busick, who's one of the writers, which is actually the writer that is doing the new final destination movie as well. Um, but he was talking about the Billy Loomis thing and he was talking about how they wrote it in and they were like, this is so far out of what Scream generally does. We don't know if we want to do the the where she can see Billy. And they yeah. said that they shared the script with Kevin Williamson and he was like, yeah, this is not at all what Scream is. That's exactly why you have to do it. So I'm sure like having the buy-in from the guy that created the entire fucking thing, like having him say, yeah, you have to do this because it is different. Like I'm sh- like me like if i were writing i'd be like okay now i feel like i have the confidence to kind of make my own movie while still paying respects to where what led to this point so i I think that was really cool that he was that way with it because you look at things like and i know i've went on my soapbox about john carpenter i think he's a real prick but um (laughs) like i don't (laughs) i don't see him being that way you know what i mean yeah no i think that john carpenter is a total asshole but I kind of love him for it. Like he's one of those guys where like everything he says, like I would never want to meet him. He would scare the shit out of me. And I would, I think I would be so disappointed <laughs> by like how much of an asshole he was to me. Cause it, and you can just tell with some people where I'm just like, okay, I separate your, your art from like you as a person. And yes. for him, you know, it's not like he's done anything skeevy that I know about, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he just seems like a total prick whenever he's in interviews and stuff. And so like Ridley Scott is the same where I'm like, I fucking love a ton of Ridley Scott movies, but I cannot stand him as a person. <laughs> like in any interview that I see with him, I'm like, yeah. dude, you are so fucking full of yourself. And then I have to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, if you have made 10, you know, a grade movies that are just like classics, you know, but then you look at somebody like Steven Spielberg, where whenever I see him in an interview, he seems like such a sweetheart. Like he seems right. like such a sweet, down to earth guy for being probably the greatest director 
you know, of mm-hmm. all time or the most prolific at least. Well, I just think it's people and, have different personalities. It's like people, it's like regular everyday people, right? You've got like somebody who's very successful and they are, would bend over backwards to help you get to where you want to be or to give you advice uh, on how to get to where they're at. And then you have this other guy who's very successful and he's not going to tell you a fucking thing, right? He's, if anything, he may even lead you down the wrong path because he doesn't want you to be successful. Not saying John Carpenter did that, even though he, you know, I'm everybody knows I'm a big Rob Zombie fan and we know those two don't really care for each other. Nonetheless, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think that's just. It was cool to see that Kevin Williamson was that like, yeah, like you guys, you have to do this because it's so much different. Versus, why are you doing this? This isn't the vision I had for it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that obviously it helps a lot if you're the writer, and I'm sure it. You know, I know it helps a lot with press for the movie if you can say, hey my movie has the backing of the guy who kind of birthed this entire franchise. Mm-hmm. And really, I think that can go either positively for you or negatively for you. Cause I'm starting to see a lot of, you know, whenever something new with Stephen King related comes out and he's saying it's the best fucking thing that's ever been adapted. And now I just know to say like, Oh, Stephen King, you're just an old fart. Like you don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. Um, you're getting paid just to say that everything that comes out that has your name on it is like the greatest thing since sliced bread or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, in his defense, the the most recent stuff has been pretty good. Like the the I thought Castle Rock was fucking great. It is is leaps and bounds. Well, probably the great, in my opinion, the greatest Stephen King movie, the first one at least. Um, but I think, and I wonder if he does that. I'm a big Stephen King. I like his books. I like his writing. I he and I, from a uh, viewpoint standpoint, don't agree on a lot. But I think his books are fantastic. Um, but I think it's because of that Stanley, which we just did The Shining, so it's kind of why it's in the forefront of my brain. But because he shit on The Shining so much, I, I wonder if... And I know he'd done it previously on some other movies of stuff that had been made movies, even though his attempt at making his own book a movie was fucking garbage. Um, <laughs> but I think... I wonder. I also wonder if that's why maybe he's taken like a more positive approach on it because he did have such a negative... Uh, people viewed him negatively because he generally shit all over the adaptations of his books. But it with talking about the shining, when again, we just did an episode on it. I am not a shining fan whatsoever. You and I talked about this, Jess, it's her favorite movie, but I think my problem is I can't disconnect the book from the movie. And I, I think Stephen King and I don't agree on much, but I do agree with him that that shining movie is garbage. So I, uh, and we, like you said, we talked about this. I'm a massive Shining fan. I would probably say that it's also my favorite horror movie. Oh, sorry. Um, but the uh, no, but what you said about comparing it to the book is, I think, 100% why I love it so much because I haven't read the book. I've read some Stephen King, but The Shining is actually sitting behind my computer. The book it has been sitting over on my like next to my TV mm-hmm. forever, and I think I just have kind of a an aversion to reading it because I know it's going to be so different. But sometimes I even, you know, I like when books and movies are different enough that it makes me feel like there's a reason for me reading the book and seeing the movie. Right. Um, So I think having grown up with the movie, the shining, I might have a a good experience now as an adult going and reading the book and going like, Oh, Hey, yeah, that was done better there. And I don't think it would make me like hate the Kubrick movie. But I think if you had such a strong connection to the book and you had read it and everything, and then you see this movie, you know, it is nothing like the book from what I've heard. Right. And 
Yeah. And for me, it's like I had I knew nothing about the book and was actually kind of shocked to learn that Stephen King didn't like it because I had only heard great things about like Kubrick's The Shining. Mm -hmm. When I first saw it, I didn't like it either. I didn't get it. I didn't get like why people were hyped about it, why they thought it was scary. And it's just one of those movies that's grown on me so much um, over the years that I'm just in love with it. Well, and, and by um, yeah. the time we this comes out, our episode will have already been out for a few weeks, so I can talk about it now. It's, I I talk about that with Jess because Jess and I had a lengthy conversation about it. I think because I'd watched it as a kid, just didn't again. Maybe like I just didn't get what because somebody said, "Oh, this is like the scariest movie ever." I'm like, okay, so I sit down and I watch it. And I'm like, not really. But then I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't give it a fair opportunity, so I watched it again. Still didn't care for it, and th- th- that this was like my fourth watch of it, and I just. I can't get into it, but it's having, I agree with you. I honestly wonder though, which maybe you can be my experiment here is since you've seen the movie first, if you were to go read the book, if it would actually enhance the movie for you from a uh, overlook perspective, because there's a lot more backstory on the overlook in the book and why it is where it is and what they did there. Uh, obviously the whole ancient burial ground thing still comes into play a little bit, but it's m- mostly the, the sketchy shit that they don't really touch on in the movie that went on at the overlook, which you kind of see it with that guy in the dog costume, uh, blowing the dude, the business looking yeah. guy, but like they go into like the whole like shady things that happened at the overlook through that story and kind of why it's so, cause I think Dick Halloran makes a point of saying when something bad happens, it imprints on the place it happened and like there was a lot of bad shit that happened at the Overlook that isn't touched on in the, the movie, even though it's three hours long. I don't know how they couldn't fit all that in. Um, but the the thing for me is the Jack Torrance story because in the book he's like this loving family man and like he loves his family and he fucked up and hurt his kid and legitimately didn't mean to and he's like trying to make up for it. And you know, his teaching career went down the drain. He wants to move his family so they can become closer and he can like write all these wrongs of him being a bad person. And then you see like the hotel take over and make it like you just see his descent into like this awful human being that he becomes. Whereas with the movie, I don't feel like you ever get that character arc. Like cause the first time you meet Jack and Jack Nicholson did a good job playing the character in terms of when he's acting crazy, he looks really fucking crazy. But like you never, in my opinion, you never get that. Hey, this was a good dude from the beginning. Like, I just feel like he's a scumbag from the get go. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree that, you know, you're never going to go really into a Jack Nicholson movie. And I know that this was Stephen King's biggest complaint about it too, was that he didn't buy the whole like Jack Nicholson being affected by the the hotel and kind of descending into madness because of the hotel. Because when, I mean, Jack Nicholson just looks crazy, like no matter what. Oh, yeah, and he's for known sure. for those kind of roles. Like, you know, when you're watching Batman and he's not yet, you know, the Joker, he still is the Joker. You're just like, he's just doesn't have the makeup on. Right. You know, you're, you're not like, oh my God, what an incredible transformation that this man's been through. <laughs> it's like, no, he just didn't have the makeup on for the first 20 minutes of the movie or whatever. So, you know, when you're cast someone like Jack Nicholson, you're casting him because you want him to bring a certain, you know, it's the same as casting Nick Cage in anything these days. Like you want him to bring a certain kind of like crazy energy to it. And yeah. that's not really the, the that doesn't really lead, get, lead to much of a character arc. And I think the movie was going more for like, just a moodiness and less into the nitty gritty of the lore of the hotel and everything. And that's stuff that I do find very fascinating. And so I think reading the book, I would actually get a lot more out of learning 
the backstory because that's something that I've really appreciated about um, the Stephen King that I have read is just how much detail he puts into everything that he writes and the way that he writes characters and their emotions. You really feel like you can put yourself in their shoes and that's part of how they become so horrifying. Like Pet Cemetery is probably my favorite Stephen King story and I love the book and it, I hadn't seen the movie when I read it and then going and watching the original movie I enjoyed it so much more because I felt like I had been in those characters shoes like experiencing the grief and things like that from having read the book right. that you just really can't get from a movie um, no matter how good the performances are you're never going to get that in that character's head sort of thing that Stephen King does so well but I haven't read a ton of Stephen King, but I am a big fan of a lot of the properties that have come out based on his stuff. And I do agree that we're kind of in a King renaissance right now. I love both of the It movies. I think the second one has some problems, but yeah. I, I really enjoy both of them. Um, I also loved Castle Rock, um, especially the second season with the Misery stuff. Oh, my God. With Annie, the lady, I forget her name off the top of my head. Shame on me. But the girl that plays Annie Wilkes is so... I would love to see them. And again, I'm the reboot. I, I think... As long as it's fun, reboot whatever fucking movie, remake whatever you want. But I would love to see another Misery movie with her playing Annie Wilkes. Whether it doesn't even have to be like a remake, let's do like a prequel, which I guess Castle Rock kind of was. But I thought I thought she was fantastic as Annie Wilkes. Yeah, it was um, Lizzie Kaplan. Um, yes. I knew her. F- yeah, I knew her from um, Party Down. I don't know if you have ever seen that. It's a it's a comedy show. It's her and Adam Scott, and they play like caterers, and they're, they're like, oh no, I've never super seen shitty. It. Yeah, it's really good. I think it only ran for two seasons, but um, and they're I guess they're doing like a reboot soon or something like that. But yeah, I saw her in that, and so when I heard that she was gonna be playing Annie Wilkes, I was like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> and yeah, I was just totally <laughs> absorbed by that, and I was I was super into it. And I Misery used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like I when I saw that, it fucked me up, um, especially in the end when he's like sitting and having dinner after he's he's gone through everything, and then yeah. he sees like the vision of her. Yeah, nightmares. Like that idea of escaping something so horrifying and having it haunt you for the rest of your life. I think that was probably the first time as a child that I had kind of like understood that that was a thing, like the the PTSD sort of before I knew what that was and how horrifying that could be. Yeah, I had never seen Misery. What's funny is I like I'd obviously seen clips of the hobbling scene, um, but I had never watched the movie. when Abby and I got together in 2000, oh God, I'm glad she doesn't listen to this, 2009, 2010, whenever <laughs> we got together, uh, she said that was one of her favorite movies. So we watched it. And uh, as you know, when you are a young couple and you watch a movie, you don't really pay attention to the movie. Um, that was the case with that movie. So I didn't really remember a lot of it. And then Seth picked it for the show and I watched it. And I was like, man, I'm, and I had already read the book previously, but I was like, man, I'm honestly sad that i kind of missed the boat on this movie like this is the first time i've actually sat down and and really watched it because i really did enjoy it we all enjoyed it um it's also one of our most downloaded episodes for whatever reason but um yeah i really enjoyed the the misery um the misery movie but then i think if i'm remembering correctly didn't stephen king because of how well kathy bates did didn't he write a book with her in mind as the character I, he, he might have done that with Dolores Claiborne because I know she play, she's in that movie. It's, in, it's a Stephen King thing. I don't know if it if that was that specifically, but um, I've never seen Dolores Claiborne. I just know it has Kathy Bates and it's a Stephen mm. King thing, but it's not specifically horror. Um, which, I mean, you know, things like the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile, like he also does and Stand By Me. He does incredible stuff that's not 
horror obviously oh yeah absolutely. Um, but i think for whatever reason i was just like oh it's not horror not really into it like especially <laughs> these days <laughs> i'm just like oh it's not horror okay it's gonna take a little bit of convincing to get me to watch it right like recently uh recently we've been trying to because we have an oscar party every year i think except for last year because of the pandemic or whatever but for years anthony and i have always done we compete whoever's going to get the most categories right at the oscars and we'll watch them together and then we have a trophy that gets passed around and nice. it's a whole thing and yeah we have a whole party um so we're getting ready for that and we i usually try to at least watch all the best picture nominees and then i also try to watch as many of like the foreign and um documentary films that i can and i've been lagging this year because so many of them are like west side story and i'm like i don't yeah. i'm not in the mood to watch a spielberg romeo and juliet musical right um yeah i'm just like i want to watch something spooky so a few up. years ago when they announced, I think it was Best Picture, but uh, didn't they fuck up? Didn't they announce the wrong movie and had to like call everybody back and say, hey, this isn't what really won? Yeah, it was um, It was the infamous La La Land and Moonlight debacle. They, I think it was Warren Beatty, and I forget who he was up there with, but they, they announced La La Land. Everybody from La La Land got on stage, and I remember I was pissed because I, I liked La La Land a lot, but I yeah. had Moonlight as my pick for Best That's Picture. That's what I was going to ask, if there was like a, a, a riff in the, the Porcelain Peak crew because of that. As far as I remember, because I don't think... No, Tone hasn't even seen Moonlight to this day, so I think that he had La La Land as his pick. And so we had that moment where they announced La La Land, and he was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if it like you know if we were tied or anything like that and it, it broke it but i remember we were shocked when they were like oh no we made a mistake moonlight but i jumped out of my seat because i was like fuck yeah no fucking way i'm sitting here disappointed that my movie didn't get best picture and it, they made a fucking mistake and i felt so embarrassed like that secondhand embarrassment for everybody involved with the situation on yeah. television but we were just cracking up because you don't see that very often at award shows like that i've never um, seen it before like i i obviously i don't watch the oscars but like i had seen the clip of it later and i was like i thought it was a joke at first yeah we're it's funny because we now i just know that the oscars are like kind of a shit show in general and we make fun of them all the time too about how dumb a lot of the nominations are and everything but for some reason we still come back every year and i think it's just because it's one of those only like big celebratory movie things that happens where, cause you don't really get a lot of that unless you're going to like a convention or something. Right. But it's just a, a night celebrating movies. And even if we're not super into whatever the picks are that year, you know, we make it fun with having a party and we used to have like a framed picture of Leo, like up on the wall after he won his Oscar. <laughs> For <laughs> like the freaking revenant. Like how God, he got so screwed in my opinion. Yeah. That was definitely a, uh, one of those oh sorry we should have given this to you earlier oscars what's your favorite leo movie well not movie but performance damn um i love catch me if you can okay um i think that's a lot of like leo is good but a lot of the time i feel like he's just kind of shouting like he just does a lot of just kind of over the top shouting and he yeah. does some crazy shit but i don't know yeah it would probably be that or maybe i don't know his accent was kind of terrible in the departed um i don't know that's a tough tough one i'm a i okay i have a soft spot for titanic okay well um it's a shame seth isn't here because he uh he loves titanic i think he watches it once a week yeah i had a, a period where i wouldn't watch it once a week jesus but i'm he, he um, doesn't i'm joking <laughs> 
just crying to Celine Dion like it's the first yeah. time he's seen it like every time he loves it yeah no I I was obsessed with Titanic for some reason um a couple years ago and whenever I would get drunk I would just beg my my friends that I was with because we would have like these these like Friday Saturday night like basically party nights where we would just blast music at my friend's house and just like get drunk and play dance games and stuff and I would always which is like who in their right mind when you're all drunk is like let's put on fucking Titanic like this I was literally just thinking that movie. I was like why wow, you want to kill my buzz put on Titanic yeah and so everybody was like no like you can't we're not going to put on Titanic and I just be- would beg every time like come on because for some reason I had it in my head because I hadn't seen it in a long time but I remember the last time I had seen it was when it was re-released in 3D I didn't and see I had that like a, yeah, and I had like a religious experience with that movie when it was in 3D. I like fucking <laughs> I I have a hard time crying in front of other people because it's like that pre-programmed male like emotion yeah. blocker. But when I'm alone, I'll just you know it's the waterworks when you know with the smallest thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I but Titanic. I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I was just fucking bawling, you know, with my behind yeah. my 3D glasses. Just no, seriously, up. dude. I was the honest to God. My wife has always said uh, it was for years and years that she'd never seen me cry before because I it just didn't happen. Like I would like do whatever I could not to cry. Not that I like didn't want to be seen crying. I just it's not an emotion that I have. And then I had kids, right? And then like the dumbest shit makes me cry. It's like. They'll do something ridiculous. We go to their parent-teacher conferences, and their teachers are telling us how great they are in class. And I'm over here like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's my kid. But yeah, my dude, kid's the, wicked smart. Yeah, dude, it was like it's like the it's like wow, who who is this guy that I've become? But yeah, ever since I've had, and I don't know if it's because I have daughters, um, because I have noticed like when I watch movies, if it's something that has to do with um, a, like a father daughter or like a little girl. I'm much more uh, impacted by it than if it's like a boy, which is, leads me back to what we were talking about before is uh, Pet Cemetery, the newest one, which I'm assuming you didn't yeah. like that movie based on what you, the, your tone earlier when you said you liked the book, but you also like the Oh, f- when I clarified yeah, yes. the original? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty garbage, mostly because, like, I mean, I thought the movie looked great, but I thought that the way that they executed the stuff that i feel like is very important to the relationships of that movie and how they were just trying to kind of like twist things up to twist things up yeah and then plus just spoiled what the thing they were twisting up was in the trailer so when you go into the movie you already know that they changed who the character is who see i didn't know that that's what got me as i sat i didn't know anything about it all i knew is i did a new pet cemetery and i had a friend who also liked horror movies not in this podcast but was asked if i'd seen it because they know I like Stephen King, and I was like, "No, um, I have not seen it." And they were like, "Man, it's gonna, it's gonna wreck you." I'm like, "Oh, stop! I've seen the first one. It's not that fucking bad." Like a little kid gets hit by a semi truck, and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> so I watch it, right? And I had no idea what the twist was. I'm watching it, and I'm like, watching what's going on. The truck's coming. I'm like, "Wait a minute!" The kid, he, the he's like way back. The- <gasps> and I was like, "No." sniped you they killed the little girl <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like well make sure my wife's not watching i'm like well, rub my eyes like oh my god no no but yeah Got a branch in my eye that's yeah. what i'm saying like like things like that like if i were like myself prior to kids i'd probably would have been with you i'm like this this is okay yeah wow you switched up the kid but like having two little girls i'm like oh my god like i can watch the little boy get hit by the truck but not the little girl <laughs> well and that's something that i love so much about the way that movies change as you get older and like, you know, when, when you go through stuff in your life, 
you know, I think that, you know, not a lot of people have the kind of connection to movies that we do, like on our shows and stuff where movies are really just a huge part of our lives that we have like a very deep connection throughout our lives. You know, I would assume for you too to movies. Oh, absolutely. And for me, yeah, for me, it's, it's so incredible that I can go back and watch a movie that I've seen, you know, a million times, maybe it's been a couple of years. And in those couple of years I've been through, you know, uh, a loss in my family, like, cause my, my grandfather passed away a couple of years ago. And now like those movies that have to do with, um, anything with like elderly people going through any sort of like, uh, dementia or like being in the hospital or like losing parents because that stuff is becoming more real in my life right. because I'm getting older. Um, those things can really break me down. And then uh, relationships with siblings, because I grew up with two siblings who are, um, two years younger and then four years younger, we were all very close. And so when there's stuff that happens with siblings, like if a sibling is killed in a movie or something happens to them, that'll fucking break me down. Um, and just the, the more shit I go through in my life, the more I feel I'm able to relate to like so many different kinds of emotional beats and stories and things like, right. uh, I've been watching, euphoria on hbo i don't know if you've checked out any of euphoria, i have not but, but brooke is like was said it's fa- he thinks it may be his favorite uh, hbo series i think that's what he said i may be over exaggerating but i've so you also enjoy it yeah it's incredible i mean just the way that it's the way that it's shot and the way that they kind of switch up it, like every episode feels like something fresh and they do such cool stuff with the music and the production it's also a24 produced and i'm a sucker for anything a24 so mm. um but, it, you know, it doesn't feel like one of those things where you're just sitting watching people do nothing for two hours. And yeah. then you're like, I was supposed to get some mes- <laughs> message on grief and depression from that. But um, no, it's a really good show. But the the center of it is this is Zendaya's character is is an addict and she's going through trying to stop doing drugs. And so many of the beats in that show are almost exactly things that I went through when I was drinking and going through like before I like went to treatment and all that, which I've been vocal about with, you know, anybody who asks, like that was something that happened to me. And so, um, seeing a lot of that stuff, I it'll just break me down like to my core watching that show. And it feels so cathartic to see like, Oh, there's, there's this very artistic representation of something that I've actually been through. Right. A lot of people go through. Sure. And if I, if I hadn't been through that, then I wouldn't have that same connection to the show. And my sister even warned me before watching it. She was like, I don't know if you should watch it. Like it might be a trigger for you or something because it reminds me so much about, of what you went through. Right. And, um, I was like, well, you know, that might actually be beneficial because it might make me connect with the characters even more. And it totally did. So there was some stuff where I was cringing, like, Ooh, I can't believe I was in that kind of situation where I was like running around the streets doing crazy shit. Right. But, like, you know, and it feels kind of embarrassing in hindsight, but you know, it's nice to go, Oh, well, you know, I'm not in that position anymore and I can watch some, somebody fictional go through it. Well, and it's a testament to the writing, right? Like if they're able to write that character to the, you know, the extent of you can relate to it because you went through the exact same thing and you're sitting there on your couch, maybe by yourself, maybe with whoever you're watching it with, but you're like feeling those emotions again. Right. And then you have even went, to the extent of saying you're embarrassed that you ever acted that way or felt that way. Like that's a testament to how well they've done the show. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it always makes me want to learn more about the people who are involved because I know that Sam Levinson who makes the show based a lot of it on his own life and people that he knew. So I think you can really tell when somebody brings 
a lot of their own personal experience into a character um, and into their writing because if it feels authentic then you know it may not always have to be like oh this person's gone through something but like um midnight mass was another thing like that that did the same thing for me because there's also a character in that who's there's a lot of stuff about kind of like addiction and recovery in that that kind of parallels with all the horror shit and right. like flanagan does a lot of that where his his stuff is more focused on the horror of like family and emotions and loss and grief and stuff like that sure and that's the kind of stuff that you can tell he's been through and he's been vocal about saying hey i'm like two three years recovered recovering from alcoholism and then when you see him write that kind of stuff into his shows it feels authentic and it connects to somebody like me who's like yeah no i can i've been through the same thing or like that's something i've said before to somebody um you know i've i've broken a door off its hinges or something, you know, something dumb and been like, yeah, I've been there before. That's all embarrassing, but I can relate. Well, it's like with Mike Flanagan and Seth and I had this conversation about uh, Midnight Mass because we all three of us watched Hill House and fucking absolutely adored it. And then Mm -hmm. we all watched, we started uh, Bly Manor and it just starts off so slow and it's like, but it's so well shot and it's so well like that's really in my opinion where you start to get because Flanagan stuff is all great um I think Hill House from Hill House to Bly Manor is where you see those long scriptures of dialogue and this those well written one-on-one conversations that he's so good at writing and I think he's done a great job of centering himself with um actors that are able to relay what he's writing into the actions and mannerisms and the way they deliver the lines. I'm sure he has a lot to do with that. Uh, It helps that generally his main character is his wife. Right. So, I mean, I think that she understands how things are supposed to go. Um, But I think people, the the majority of people I've talked to that didn't care for Bly Manor or were let down by Bly Manor is because they were expecting Hill House because Hill House, well, it had, it had that, aspect to it it was a lot more jump scary it was a lot more conjuring and maybe a bad way to explain it but more conjuring-esque versus Bly Manor which was dark and sinister but it was a lot more it was very dialogue heavy and then you see that even more with his transition into Midnight Mass because Felicia from Two Chicks and Horror Flick had watched it and she kind of she and I, I am outside of our group chat or whatever but she was like uh it's definitely more Bly Manor than Hill House so if that's if you didn't like Bly Manor because it wasn't Hill House this is even further from that and it was like I think that helped uh with me going into it because there's a few episodes where I think the majority of the time of the episode is just two characters in a room talking to each other yeah and that's probably the biggest complaint that I've seen from people is like oh my god the monologues like the people just talking and talking but I mean, really, if you can't be patient with something like that, I mean, it's fine to say that it's not the kind of show for you. Sure. Like for me, I love that stuff because you get such a deep look into how these characters think and the way that they feel because they have that time to express themselves. It's not like so much time is devoted to, you know, just showing scary shit on screen. And yeah, right. I think that Hill House probably because he was kind of dipping his toe into into doing this thing with Netflix and doing this show, he probably made it more horror-centric to have a bit of a wider appeal and then the things that he wanted to really push in Hill House, because I even think Hill House gets a little like, 
you get a little peek toward the end, especially in that last episode of what the rest of his shows are going to be more like, where it's more about the drama between the characters right. and it has kind of almost like a, a schmaltzy ending to it that mm-hmm. at the time kind of made me feel like, oh, that wasn't as creepy spooky as I wanted it to be. Now seeing his other stuff, I understand like that's the direction he wanted to head in with his projects. And so Bly Manor, I loved, but I also was surprised by it but i went in with the expectation knowing that it wasn't going to be like hill house like you said like i already had that expectation before going into it and i didn't expect it to be like hill house and so i think i enjoyed it more for that and i've watched both shows i think i've seen hill house three times i bought it so i could have his commentaries on some of the episodes so i've watched it multiple times and with the commentaries and then i just rewatched Bly recently and i loved it even more the second time watching it and then i've only seen midnight mass the once but I think if I had to rank them, it would still be Hill House is number one Mm -hmm. and then probably Midnight Mass and then Bly Manor, like really close behind it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd probably go Hill House, Bly and then Midnight Mass. I've only watched Midnight Mass the one time. The thing that Bly Manor does so well is that that character development throughout the whole thing. And then like the last two or three episodes, I forget right off the top of my head, but they're just so good. Like, it's just, when you realize what he did in all those other episodes and tying all these characters together and how they tied together and then you finally get the entire storyline that gets revealed in the last few episodes, um, I just think it was genius. And that's why I tell everybody because they start, the majority of people I've talked to that don't like Bly Manor stopped watching it like three or four episodes in. They're like, I just can't do this. It's It's not Hill House. I'm like, please just make it to like, I forget what episode it is. Like make it to the the sixth or seventh episode and it all makes sense. It'll all come together and it does start to pick up to you. I think you get more horror stuff toward the end of the season, but like, just just hang in there, hang in there. (laughs) You'll get there. That's so tough though, because like I completely empathize with people who are like that because up until recently, I, I was notorious for like, I don't watch TV really, unless it's something that everybody's watching or like that we need to talk about for the show or something that I'm really, really hyped on. I just don't really, for me, I'm more of like a, Oh, I just want to be in and out in an hour and a half, you know, with whatever it is or two hours, like, you know, with a movie and I can kind of open that book and close it and be done with it with TV, especially TV. If I'm like, if it's a show that has a bunch of seasons, I just get so overwhelmed. It's the same with like what we were talking about with the podcasts to listen to where I'm like, I don't even want to start it because I know there's so much for me, you know, and and then a lot of newer shows that are like prestige television, they're structured that way where you're not going to get the full picture until like the end of the season when everything comes together. And for me, who doesn't really want to waste potentially three hours of my time. Yeah. um, You know, trying to get invested in something. It's tough. So I totally understand people who are like, because I, but I do the same thing when I'm in love with a show, like, uh dark on netflix i've tried so hard to get john and anthony to both watch it and anthony's tried it and it never has really clicked with him and i always tell people like oh you got to get at least to like the seventh episode of the first (laughs) season or whatever to like really understand what's going on and then i have to stop myself and go okay like if it's not going to hook them in the first couple episodes right i don't blame them right there's there's so much tv out there and and you know, so that's why my dad will recommend stuff to me all the time. And then he'll check in with me like a week or two later and he'll go, oh, hey, did you watch that thing I recommended? And I'll just be like, nope. Nope. And so I'm like <laughs> notorious with my dad about just never watching anything he recommends. 
And I'm like, it's just because we just all have different tastes on right. what we like to watch. And like, I watch TV to decompress and I have specific stuff I like to watch. Yeah. And it's just hard for me to get invested in things. Well, um, we talked about this on, we did like, uh, so we called it HMC and friends. It was the, at the end of the year, we had um, Michael from the Wheel of Horror podcast, uh, Felicia and Tawny from Two Chicks, and then the Elm Street guys, and then all three of us, which is a fucking massive episode. Um, but basically, uh, it was it was honestly what started this because I was like, I don't want a script. But then I like gave him all this shit, uh, the, like, these questions and and possible discussion topics. But anyway, we all got on there, and the conversation just flowed so well. Um, but we got talking about the amount of content that is available right now, and for everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean no matter what type of horror you like or what type of movie or tv you like there's something because of all the platforms now whether it be netflix hulu hbo stars showtime cinemax whatever uh peacock now paramount plus like there's something for every we're in such a cool time right now because no matter what you're into like there's something out there and i i wonder if it's going to change the way we conversate about these things because like you were just saying like when, when there's a limited amount of content we all consume it and then we talk about it but whereas like maybe you guys let's just say you guys were a sci-fi podcast are you guys gonna go in and, and watch the same stuff that we watch probably not but then you that lets you create your own content based on that sector so i wonder if we're gonna start seeing things really branch off to where like you just said where your dad recommends something you don't watch it on principle but maybe it's because you're not into it but there's just an overwhelming amount of content to where i might start something like i started archive 81 because seth said it was great mark said it was great felicia said it was great i started i watched the first episode and i i was like eh, not for me and i moved on and then i'm like well fuck man maybe i should have finished it it's it's good i wouldn't say that you need to rush to watch the whole thing it's kind of a it's a very slow show so if the first episode didn't catch you i mean i really enjoyed it but i wouldn't say you have to race out um but yeah for me it's just like something really needs to grab me either on the premise or somebody who's involved with it like if it's from a director i know i love already like flanagan shit like i'm always going to be on that right away when it pops on netflix like there are some people who i know okay i'm going to watch whatever they make um but really, when it comes to like weekly stuff or, or binging stuff, you know, I kind of sometimes envy the people who had the water cooler conversations about, you know, X-Files or Twin Peaks or whatever it was where everybody yes. was watching that show and everybody would go to work and talk about the same thing. And the last time I really remember that happening was like Game of Thrones oh, and yes. then <laughs> like Stranger, Th- Stranger Things when Stranger <laughs> Things first started. Like that first season, I remember there were people who binged yeah. it the first, the whole show the first night and then came to work and were talking about how good it was. And I had only seen like the first two episodes. And it was, you know, when a show really breaks through and makes that hype, now it's super rare. Like when exactly. everybody's talking about the same thing. That's, that's kind of where I was headed with it is are we going to lose that? Because there's just so many different avenues and so much out there now versus before when you had... HBO and Showtime and they had their own, you know, exclusive shows, whether it be the Sopranos or um, I don't even remember what they had back then, but Game of Thrones, etc. Uh, Showtime had Dexter and I think Californication was on Showtime, but like you didn't have as many offerings as you has now where fuck Netflix is releasing different series every other week and 
yeah, maybe you watch the first season, and then it gets canceled. But nonetheless, like you don't, I don't know if it's if it's going to impact the way we view television. But I also think that we're going to see a lot of those big names like Flan. I don't know that Flanagan will ever go back to making movies, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I know the next thing that he's working on is um, the the Edgar Allan Poe, the Fall of the House of Usher show that's also going to netflix so i mean obviously he's got to deal with netflix and if he does make any more movies they'll probably be like gerald's game or um or hush where they went to uh you know basically straight to netflix yeah streaming he's also got the midnight club right uh coming out on netflix which is another series based off of a book yeah yeah so kind of confusing that he did midnight mass and then midnight club but um (laughs) yeah but i mean really the uh, thing that makes it harder too, like, yeah, it's overwhelming how much content there is. And then also it's harder to tell whether something is going to be good because everything looks great now. Like everything has almost a movie level budget and it, you know, it has all of the celebrities you used to only see in movies are now all doing television shows. Like Mm -hmm. you got your Kate Winslet's and your, um, fucking Nicole Kidman's doing television. Like, you know, and they have like three shows each, right. You know, and it, it, then you have Colin Farrell doing the Penguin show soon on HBO. And so you have all these big name movie stars come into TV. And so it just makes it like, you can't even trust the big name to be the thing that's going to draw you into the show because everything, you know, TV is so big budget now and so well-produced for the most part that I will just spend forever looking at like trying to find reviews for it or something because I don't want (laughs) to waste my time. And then I'm like, I'm wasting more time. like looking into this show whether it's worth watching instead of just putting it on and seeing for myself yeah i think that's gonna be the detriment is that it's gonna i think there's gonna be too much for one and maybe not i could be completely wrong because we it still amazes me the amount of content people can consume at like the people that like when let's just say you said stranger things when stranger things comes out by saturday at noon i have friends that have watched the whole fucking season already and i'm like how did you do that yeah i can't like i'm one of those people who can watch maybe like a couple episodes but i like to savor the flavor too you know i like to if i'm into a show i only want to watch one or two episodes and that's why i've actually swung back to really really enjoying shows that are weekly Mm. like i love to have something to because i lost that for a long time like i used to love being at school or whatever it was being at work and looking forward to going home because i knew like a new episode of smallville or whatever it was was coming on that night and it was going to be like an event to be watching it right and now it's like you can watch anything whenever the fuck you want um and most stuff comes out where the whole season comes out at once and so that is intimidating and you know like oh i gotta watch this all you know so i can talk about it i gotta watch the whole thing (laughs) So I got to watch all eight episodes or yeah. 10 episodes or whatever it is so I can talk about it with my friends. And so when a show comes out week to week, um, it I'm just like, cool. Now I have Thursdays to look for Thursday nights to look forward to because Severance, which is a show that I'm into on Apple TV plus is has a new episode. And I can when Chucky was coming out, I was like, yes, I can look forward to Tuesdays or whatever because a new Chucky's coming out. And uh, it's kind of funny how we were getting away from the way that TV used to be where you had cable and 10 million channels and everything. And now we're kind of going back in that direction where there's so right. many options. Um, but I think, I do think it's even tougher now because at least when you had 10,000 channels, you really only visited like maybe four or five of those channels right. throughout the day. Yeah. And you were like, okay, hey, this is where I know the quality shit is that I want to watch. Yeah. Now it's like, 
everyone is getting rights to big IPs and everything. So every, I spend every night when I come home, I go, okay, what's on Hulu? What's on Prime? That's the biggest problem right now, right? Because <laughs> I'll spend 25 minutes looking for something to watch. And then it's like you spend, let's say you spend 25 minutes looking for something to watch. And you watch the first 30 minutes of it. And you don't like it. And then you turn it off. You just blew an hour on nothing. Yeah. I'm so bad about that. I'll sit forever trying to pick a movie. And that's why I love when we have movies that we have to watch for the podcast. Because then it gives me, I, I know at least for one night, you know, most times it's three nights, I'll have a movie that I need to watch for the podcast. Right. And I have to watch it and I have to watch it all the way through. And that makes it so I don't waffle, you know, in the middle of the movie and go, I'm not really into this and turn it <laughs> off. I'm like, no, I got to watch this. So, um, as overwhelming as it can be sometimes, especially when we do these, like we're going to cover an entire franchise. Like when we yeah. did Texas Chainsaw Massacre recently, it is nice to go like, well, I know for the whole next week, I'm going to be watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies and I don't need to worry about like, cause I'll even get uh, anxiety when I'm at work and I'm about to head home and I go like, fuck, I don't have a plan for what I'm going to watch tonight. Yeah. So like, I know I'm dreading s- sitting in front of my TV <laughs> and like scrolling forever to try to find something to watch. So I'm like, please, please just have some notification pop up somewhere or something that there's that convinces me I need to watch something so that I don't have to do any work. I'm just <laughs> so terrible. Just like I need to write, on. I need to write it down. Cause if like, if I know on letterbox, you can add movies or whatever, but like for series and stuff, there's like, so I know that there's so many that I need to watch because honestly last year I was in this heated movie watching contest, which you would have destroyed all of us, but it was me, Mark and Brooke from Elm street. We were in to see who could watch the most movies throughout the year. So like, I was just like crushing movies. And honestly, it got to the point where I didn't enjoy watching movies anymore because like I knew I had all these series I wanted to watch, but I didn't want to watch them because I couldn't log them on Letterboxd. They didn't count toward yeah. the competition. So I was watching like multiple movies, like just crushing movies. And then like when it was finally over, and honestly, Brooke gave up, and Mark, I think he he won't admit it, but I think he did too. Uh, I'm just so, <laughs> so competitive, I can't, I don't have it within me to give up. Um, so I kept crushing these movies, and when it was over... Like I can admittedly say, with the exception of like the Batman, Scream, um, trying to think of what else I don't know, but with the exception of like those few movies, like the only thing movies I watch right now are things that we're going to record for the podcast, knowing I have to watch them because that was so taxing on me that I was like didn't enjoy watching movies anymore. I was like, I'm only doing this to log it in a letterbox so that I can get a point to beat these guys, and it's like, yeah. I've really gotten into see all that being said, I've really gotten in, gotten into series now because like I had so many I needed to watch. Like Midnight Mass was one. I forget all of them. I've I've watched a bunch of them. Um but anyway, I got in, I got back into The Walking Dead and they had released they're doing like a three-part last season or whatever and I realized that the first part of it was out which was 12 episodes and uh like Monday I got, I bought AMC plus and, uh, which for anybody out there that has shutter, cancel your shutter subscription, go to AMC plus, get AMC plus for $2 more a month. You get shutter AMC plus IFC BBC and something else. $2 more a month for all you people out there. Anyway, I'm actually really glad you said that because I was just thinking yesterday, like now they're starting to do those sneaky fucking bundles where you can get like Disney plus and Hulu together. And I'm like, I got to figure out how to math my way like into the cheapest bundles for all of my, cause I have basically every streaming service. Like, you know, if a new one comes out, I'm like, cool. Cause I want to see 
you know, because I'm just desperate for new shit, new content, you know, even though we're just complaining about how much there is. AMC Plus is the way to go because you get all the AMC shows. The Walking Dead has its own fucking universe now because there's like so many different spinoffs of The Walking Dead. So you get all the AMC stuff. You get The Walking Dead universe, Shudder, IFC, BBC, and Sundance, maybe something else. You get something else with it. But again, it's like two or three dollars more a month in comparison to what we were paying for Shutter. So, um, anyway, all that being said, I started watching uh, The Walking Dead, this new, because I want to see what happens. Obviously, I want to see how they conclude the show. And, like, back to what you were saying, where you are more into where they're going week to week, so you can kind of uh, consume that one episode and digest it and figure, like, I feel like The Walking Dead was made to binge. Like they need to release the whole yeah. season cuz like I've enjoyed this season more this has probably the, been the most enjoyable season for me the last two uh since the first one because I didn't watch them week to week. I just when it came out, I sat down and I watched not all in one setting, but all of them just back to back and cuz one of my complaints and when I kind of stopped watching it was around four or five when it got kind of redundant, but they also started breaking off into all these different storylines on the walking dead to where you would like watch the Rick Grimes people and like, they would have you totally engulfed in what they were doing. And then the next two episodes were about these other two colonies or these other two groups. And like, you're like, what the fuck happened to Rick and Daryl? So whenever you're able to binge it, you get all of that. It's, you just run right through it, and it really makes a better viewing experience. Anyway, uh, I like fucking watched what's today, Thursday. So from Monday to Thursday, I watched the entire season at night or when I was working out. Um, and because I got AMC Plus, I could do all that. I, I'm, I feel like I like work for AMC Plus right now. But Yeah, you're doing like a sponsored segment right now, and I'm just <laughs> sitting back like, okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, the, the whole point of this was back to what you were saying, whereas you're really enjoying the week-to-week thing, whereas like I still enjoy that. Just give me all of it. I'll watch it at my own pace. And I think some shows, like The Walking Dead, were are do better in that format. Yeah, no, I totally agree, with, especially with that show. Like I watched the first two seasons because um, I kind of joined a little bit late and watched the two the first two seasons, binged them, was absolutely obsessed because I was reading the comic at the same time too. And I loved that they were different enough that it felt like two kind of like sister stories right? Um, where I was getting like twice the, the Walking Dead. And then uh, because I was so hyped, I went into season three and I think I like just really dug it because I was just really into the Walking Dead at the, that time. But then as like season four and season five came around, I just couldn't hang with like exactly what you were saying, which was you'd be following a character and then the next two episodes would be like bottle episodes with other characters. And because I couldn't, because I was watching it week to week, I just, it just never got me excited for the next episode. And so I think I would probably have a really good time with these last few seasons if I binge them. And now I think it's really the perfect time to hop on now that it's coming to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like that's my other thing too, is I usually like to wait until a show ends if I'm so far behind, like I'm like, cool, right. wait till it ends. That way I can just watch the whole thing. Um, and that way I'm not risking a show that's going to get canceled before it's finale. And then you're never going to know what happened. Right. So, that's the, yeah, that's like, the cool. other thing that you don't ever know. Right. Is like, or like a great show where people are like, this show is the best, but they didn't, they didn't renew it. So I'm like, I don't fuck. I'm not going to watch that. Then I'm just going to be disappointed when I get to the end of the third season and there's not a fourth season. 
Yeah, you're just going to be teasing yourself. But I, how far did you get into The Walking Dead? Um, I think I stopped watching in like maybe the middle to the end of whatever season Negan first showed up in, like the season with the big baseball bat. Okay. Thing. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like, I know a lot of people kind of fell out because they loved Glenn's character so much and were so pissed off about that, but I wanted that to happen because that's what happens in the comics. And right. so I was like, cool. They actually went there and I was like, fuck the show is hardcore. Um, it was just something about like how repetitive I think like you were saying it got because it would just, and a lot of people have the same complaint where it's just, they go to a new location. They feel like they're safe for half the season <laughs> right. and then somebody betrays them or, you know, they have somebody invades and then they have to leave again. And then they repeat the whole thing in the next season. And then anytime you have an episode where a character who's never been focused on before, gets an entire spotlight episode to themselves, you know, it's going to me. It means they're going to die at the end of that episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it just became a very predictable show to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, well, this isn't fun for me anymore because I felt like so much of those first couple seasons, I was blown away. Like all the shit between Rick and Shane and then how that all comes to a head at the yes. end of season two on the farm. I was Dude, like, I'm glad Holy shit, you brought that so up. Good. So were you a Rick guy or a Shane guy? At the, so at the time I was a Rick guy, uh-huh. um, but in hindsight, because I've grown to love John Bernthal so much as an actor, I think going back I would have a bit more sympathy for his character because at the time I was thinking like, oh, you know, he just he fucked this dude's wife, like he's the bad guy. But then if you go back and think about it, it's like, well, they kind of thought he was dead, yeah, and it's not really his fault that he was in love and finally had a chance with this person, and then the husband just comes back into the picture, right? He has to deal with that, and so I think I would maybe have. Not that I've ever been in that situation personally before, but I think just um, going back and revisiting it, I would have less animosity toward his character. Yeah. Um, Especially seeing how they've done like evil characters further on in the show where they try so hard to capture that same like three dimensional character that Shane was. Yeah. And it, they just really haven't, I haven't seen too much of Negan and I know that he goes through a big character arc and changes a lot. So I'd be interested to see how he how he sits with me when I finally get to watching the show, but I yeah. loved Shane's character arc of like how complex his character was. Right. Um, and acted and so, so well, like it was so well. And again, I'm, I also love John Bernthal. He'd played, I obviously wear this Punisher hat, but he played the Punisher, which was, I'm still, I'm upset. They canceled that. But um, yeah, I was always a Shane guy. Like I uh, liked Rick, whatever, but I'm like, Shane, and maybe it's just my personality type, and hang on, I'm going to crack. This is my last beer, so you know we wrap it up when this beer's gone. But I can't crack it more than once for my friend that doesn't like beer cracks. But um, <laughs> I'm Do like, Fuck Shane has this whole thing figured out. Like Shane, yeah, he came off, because in, in the beginning of the series, like people are still trying to be humane, and they don't want to lose that human side of themselves, where Shane is like, no, the 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 people we need to be afraid of are the people that are alive. The dead people are dead and they're just zombies walking around. The people we have to be concerned with are the people that are still alive because they're going to take and fight and kill for whatever they can get to survive. It's human nature. And Rick just cons- and again, he was playing that whole cop aspect and he just wanted yeah. to, to to didn't want to give up on humanity, but then like I love what they did with the show that you slowly see Rick become where Shane was at. Like you, you start with Rick in the hospital where he wakes up, believable or not, and he's in this hospital room, 
and he wasn't aware of what had transpired while he was locked in this room or, or safe in this room or whatever. And then like you slowly as the seasons progress, I forget which season or episode it was, but I look at it because Abby hated Shane and I love, he was my favorite oh, character. Yeah. And when he dies, like they're not going to kill off this character. And then they did. I was like, Oh my God. But she like, I forget what episode it was, but I look at her and I'm like, Rick is Shane. Like this is where Shane was at when Rick killed him. Like this is, he's became him full circle. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, that's a great point. It's really funny to go back and look at that. And anybody who thought that Shane was like the villain or the unlikable character has to kind of reflect and say, well, now every character on the show has gotten to that point. Like every character has had to become what Shane, like he was so ahead of the curve with how the world was going to work now. Exactly like you said, to where I think it was probably season three, whatever the the prison season was where... um, Rick finally snaps after Lori dies and he's like hearing her on the phone or whatever. And he's, he's finally snapped. And I think at that point is when he kind of like transitions into the Rick who has kind of no patience for, you know, humanity anymore and understands right. that they're the real walking dead or whatever. And it's, yeah, I think if you looked back and you hated Shane, you got to think, well, now all of my hero characters in the show are in that same gray area that he was in. Oh, no, it's not worse. It's like people are doing more fucked up shit than he ever did. Oh, absolutely. And then like, I don't want to ruin anything for you if you're going to go back and watch it. But yeah, Negan, the introduction of Negan and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan is just like, like he was like, I feel like Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Iron Man. Jeffrey Dean Morgan was born to play Negan. Like he is such a good Negan. Like even in the seasons where you're not supposed to like him, you still kind of do. And yeah. then what I really like about what the show has done, um, and I don't think they get credit for, is that there's a di- there's a scene of dialogue between. I don't want to ruin too much for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk about it at a high level. Um, there's a scene of dialogue in this season, and I have always said this because I don't. Did you see where the Rick's Rick's group attacks Negan's group first? Did you see that point point in the show? I don't remember. I kind of drifted away from the show, so I, okay. I, I'd have to look back and figure out exactly where I was in the story. Um, there's this there's this point, and I forget which season it is, but it's before the whole... Because at this point, you're just hearing Negan talk on the radio, right? That, mm-hmm. And Rick's group attacks a... Uh, it's like an outpost, but it's Negan's group, and that's what really leads to the entire... Oh, yeah, I did see this. The yeah. entire okay. war that yeah. happens. Well, there's a scene in this season where Negan and Maggie are talking and she's basically telling him what like a terrible person he was and he's not able to change. And he's like, as a leader, he's like, you do realize that everybody in that outpost station had friends. They had kids, they had family members and they were looking to me to make right what you guys did to that outpost station. She was like, but you killed my husband. He said, yeah, I did it in front of you. And who else was watching? And she said, your whole group. He was like, as a leader, what choice did you give me? Yeah. And wow. I'm, si- I'm sitting there like, I would like to see another season, whether it be a few episodes or a whole season, but see that entire thing play out from Negan's perspective. Yeah. Because we're, we're I- inclined to follow Rick's group, and Rick is the... Uh, true north, right? And Rick is the good guy. He is doing things the right way. But then you sit back, like with that five or ten minute scene with with Negan and Maggie, and you're like, maybe Negan wasn't such. Like, 
they make him look bad, but maybe he wasn't such a bad guy. Yeah, I think that he just he kind of expressed the brutality that everybody else like everybody else was being brutal to toward humanity, like in a in a kind of different way, just by being like shady to each other and betraying each other and all that kind of stuff. But he was the first one who was just like, no, nah, I'm going to smash some heads in. But <laughs> I I love that they're able to take a character like him who starts off being so because he's not only brutal, but he's also killing a fan favorite character. Right. Um. So he's going to be, you know, probably the most hated character on the show for a while. And for somebody, uh, for one, the writers and for Jeff- Jeffrey Dean Morgan to kind of turn that character around through a story arc is like you were saying earlier, like that's another testament to good writing and to good acting is if somebody that's those, those are always my favorite characters that start out as the people that you hate or really like can't empathize with. And then the show is able to turn them around for you and make you care about them. Totally different realm of, of, TV show sort of but um, Peacemaker was like that for me where uh, on HBO because I did like I thought he was funny but I did not give a shit about John Cena um, and his Peacemaker character in Suicide Squad like when I heard they were doing a, a spinoff show I was like yeah why like he was the most uh, unlikable character in that movie I hated him of, like, in that movie yeah and I've never been a big John Cena fan and um, like as an actor and I went into this show and yeah, just a testament to John Cena is actually a really good actor. It kind of blew me away. And James Gunn is obviously a great writer and director. That show made me feel for the peacemaker character and realize like, Oh, he was raised with a terrible racist, like KKK loving father. Right. You know, all this stuff where you, because the writing is so good and the character work is so good. It makes me want to go back and rewatch suicide squad, knowing, you know, what that character's, kind of motivation was right it's always so fun like with these you know i i like that that hbo is doing like all these spinoff shows and stuff because i'm hoping that they all work as well as peacemaker did for me where we get to explore a character in a way that adds to their presence in other movies because i know marvel has been doing kind of like all of the tv shows right and for a while i was like oh how do these all connect to the movies and now i'm kind of realizing that they sort of do, but they still have kind of not cracked that whole having characters in the shows really. I guess Doctor Strange might change that because Wanda's going to be in it. Okay. Um, so they may reference like WandaVision more, but yeah, even those like, I'm like, well, at least if you're going to give us this character on television, like give us a reason that this character needed a full TV show. Right. Like explore the character. Make me make it so that one next time I see them in a movie, I go, oh, okay. They may not have gotten a lot of time on screen, but I understand why they're doing the things that they're doing a lot better than I did before. See, Peacemaker also changed my entire perspective on that character. I loved Rick Flag. Like I, and maybe not just because it was Rick Flag, because I don't know shit about Rick Flag. I like Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, I think that's how you say his last name. But mm-hmm. um. And he was like the highlight of, with the exception of, of course, Margot Robbie, right? But like, I'm like, man, like he's Rick Flag. He's like the main character. I and I the whole time I'm like, man, they're really pushing Idris Elba on us in this movie, right? And yeah. then he kills Rick Flag, and I'm like, you can't fucking kill Rick Flag. Like he's the he's the my guy. Like no. <laughs> so I'm like, I fucking yeah. and I I don't mind John Cena. I think I honestly think John Cena is really funny. Um. He's in some kids' movie, my kids love, where he's like a firefighter, but he's like he's actually really funny. 
Yeah, um, I um, it actually made me want to watch more stuff with him because um, I know he's in. I think he's in that Blockers, the Cock Blockers movie or whatever. Oh my god, have you um, seen that? No, but I've heard Dude, it's really funny. It is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it made me want to check it out because I was like, damn, this guy actually is a really good actor, and you have someone like the rock who you know had a similar path and kind of paved the way for these other guys like john cena to go from the wrestling realm to the acting realm yeah because i think a lot of people don't understand that wrestling is like theater you know it's acting like you're in theater i still don't understand how people don't know that but like god bless them <laughs> when that i liked wrestling when i was a kid when i thought it was like a real thing and then yeah. as an adult i think i appreciate it i don't watch it very often but i love hearing the backstories of these guys like talking about their characters and how yeah. they developed these characters and how they got to play like the heel so they got to be a villain for a while right and, you know thing the storyline changes and i'm like oh shit this is like extended role-playing and like, it, extended- dude it's, it's insane like i was uh, same as you when i was a kid i like every monday night dude i was watching wwf raw stone cold steve austin was my guy i still if i'm gonna send out one of those gifs dude it's always a stone cold gif whether he's smashing beer cans or giving stunners but I, I like, because I think it's on Peacock, they do like, the, the Undertaker had a series where he went through most of his career and talked about how the character progressed, etc. But dude, I'm totally with you. I find it fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm like even more interested. And I think that was something that I never understood about my grandpa, because he used to watch WWE or whatever, like when, every Monday night when it was on. And I was like, what does he get from this? Because he's an older <laughs> guy and like, is he just into the violence or whatever? And I realized that he was just in it for the entertainment because it's just really entertaining to watch like right. these guys, you know, have these crazy di- heightened dialogues and then just beat the shit out of each other. Do um, you think, and you can agree with me if you don't agree, but do you think it was the uh, male version of a soap opera? Yeah, no, it totally is. Like the plots are very soap opera because right? then there's always instances where like, you know, then this guy dated this dude's wife or whatever like got with this guy's wife and then it becomes a whole plot line that like goes out through the next year of wrestling or whatever and so i find that stuff super cool and interesting and i love that about it but you don't always get the best movie actors out of that scene right and while i think i think dwayne johnson has all the charisma in the world i wouldn't say he's like an incredible actor he pretty much just you put him in a movie to say we want that dwayne johnson charisma right so we're putting him in this movie. John Cena is somebody that I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing him take a dramatic role in the future because there were parts of Peacemaker where I was like, this guy is actually a really good actor and he's pulling off the different, you know, scales of emotions. Yeah. He's not one note. And I was like, oh, this actually makes me excited because he always just kind of seemed like a meathead to me. Right. I didn't like really care about watching. Have you seen the movie? Tra- it's Amy. I don't know if you like Amy Schumer or not. I'm not a big fan, but she uh, has a movie called Trainwreck. Have you seen it? No, I've also heard like I'm just not a big um like modern comedy guy when it yeah. comes to movies, but I I there are so many that I need to go back and watch because I know that they're funny. Well, it's, I wouldn't even watch the whole movie. Just like fast forward to where John Cena you see him and then watch his roles because he and I never really caught on until Abby and I were in Indianapolis for a, a parents getaway weekend. Uh, just two of us in Indianapolis for the weekend. Um, and it's so funny, dude. Like we both work our asses off. Like we're going to go to Indianapolis. Cause when we were, uh, you know, first got together, we would go to Indianapolis and stay out at the bars all night and go to howl at the moon. It's a dueling piano bar. We'd be there till three in the morning. And 
We drop the kids off at my mom's house. We drive two hours Indy, check into the hotel, go get dinner. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And she's like, you, you want to go back to the hotel and watch a movie? And I'm like, that sounds fucking great. So like, <laughs> so we do all this anyway. We watched uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie, and then that movie came on after it, funnily enough. But like John Cena is in it, and he his character is so he's dating Amy Schumer basically, but like he is like this big jock, but he's gay and doesn't know what well, he doesn't know he's gay. But like the shit mm. that he says to her, why they're having sex, and like the way that he acts, like he does a really great job in that role and like i always just thought he was just dumb meathead as well and then i had seen like this movie where like my kids love that he's a firefighter and then he was in the new fast and furious movie and then he was in a bunch of other stuff but the blockers which is hilarious but then we were watching that and i was like he actually does a very convincing job of being this really emotional big buff dude that like is obviously going through some stuff right and doesn't doesn't really yeah. know how to express his feel like i was like wow that's actually impressive john cena yeah good for you john cena good for <laughs> you john cena you big meathead it's funny like i i've never like i said been a big john cena person but for whatever reason it's become a thing for me whenever i win trivia on the show i always do the john cena like like uh <laughs> song and i did it too early this past week because remember i said that yeah i got the, the win like stolen from me yeah i did like a celebration a bit too early it was it was so embarrassing and like i said i'm still pissed about it um but when you hear it if you end up listening um, yeah when it comes out uh you'll know what i'm talking about but there was a little technicality that john pulled out where i was like you you shicey motherfucker well at least you didn't do the you can't see me thing right or did you did you do that too no, I usually just kind of like put my hands in the air and okay. celebrate. You know, I'm well, very humble when it comes to a win. So yeah, you're acting like my uh, my my five year old Charlotte tonight. She wanted uh, Uno after dinner tonight, and she was not. Uh, I told her she was being a poor winner or a bad winner or something. She got real mad at me, but she was just like, "It's like it's <laughs> not not very subtle." <laughs> oh no, dude, she was real happy with herself. She was very impressed, but. Uh, dude, how, confidence. How have we talked for two hours and not gotten into a Rob Zombie debate? I think that it's just because we've, like I said earlier, we've just come to an understanding that we just are on different sides of the, uh, you know, I think we would just end in the same place we've always ended up in if we had yeah. the discussion here on mic. Like, I'm actually happy that, because I was kind of thinking, okay, well, that's obviously something we're going to talk about at some point. <laughs> and I'm actually happy that we were able to find a dozen other things to talk about besides Rob Zombie uh. in this episode. I'm like, good for us, because, you know, a lot of our conversations are you know, hey, you're going to be mad about this episode because we say shit about yeah. Rob Zombie or like you messaging us going like, ah, you're shitting on Rob Zombie again. I not, I swear, dude, every time I start, like, it's always Tone. I don't know what it is, except for this past one, uh, Texas Chainsaw was John. He was shitting on my 03 Texas Chainsaw, which um, for anybody that listens knows that that is my Texas Chainsaw. I do not... I appreciate all of the blood, sweat, and tears that went into the first one, but I just... It's not my, my Texas Chainsaw. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, um, I now I, I wait every week to see like if, if we talk about something that I know is going to piss somebody off in the group. And usually it's like because you have, you know, strong opinions that differ from mine when it comes to certain movies and stuff. So whenever right. we touch those subjects, I always think like, oh, I can't wait for the message about like, <laughs> oh, you guys are ragging on this or Tone was bitching about this thing again or. But I usually try to like I knew, I, I had a feeling when we were talking about uh, Texas Chainsaw 03 
because I genuinely really, really like that movie. Yeah. And I grew up with that one. So really, that was my first exposure to the franchise, too. And I think that John just has a very, very like borderline sexual relationship with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is fair. Um, yeah, like I think, you know, he probably diddled the the VHS tape, like little holes in the back, you know, yeah. when he was a kid. Oh, sure. But, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, totally normal stuff, John. But he is just so attached to that original movie that. <laughs> I totally understand where he's coming from. I mean, it was like what we were saying with The Shining, where it's like if you're attached to the book, the movie is probably not going to sit well right. with you. You know, he was so incredibly attached to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre that, uh, you know, the remake probably wasn't ever going to do anything for him. But for someone like me who had a totally different experience and grew up being terrified of that version of Leatherface, right, and that version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. I have a soft spot for it. And I think some of the performances like Arlie Ermey and the rest of the family, like it really captures that you can trust nobody. Everybody in the town is potentially a nightmare killer. Like, right. And that's what I love about the first one too, is that it's not just Leatherface who's the bad guy. It's the ensemble of the crazy family who is equally terrifying. And a lot of the sequels in Texas Chainsaw Massacre just abandon that because Leatherface is the most iconic, obviously of the characters. Sure. So they just go, oh, we're just going to focus on Leatherface. And I i mean, we just did all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. And that was probably the roughest franchise we've ever done in terms of quality. Have you I done Wrong the, Turn yet? No, okay. no, we haven't tackled it. But I let me know when you get there. <laughs> yeah, I think that the next franchise, we're trying to figure out what the next franchise we're going to tackle is because we love doing franchises. But sometimes when we do one that is really rough like this it just it wears you out and Dude, we, totally. we had to post, yeah and we had to postpone the recording for a week because tone got covid so and we didn't want to record like a nine movie review yeah remotely so right. we postponed the episode um and then so then i had to sit with all of my thoughts on all of these shitty texas chainsaw massacre movies for a whole extra week <laughs> and i was like i just need to, to exercise these from my brain so that yeah. i have room for something else because all i've been thinking about is mostly shitty texas chainsaw massacre movies we ran into the same thing uh so we do a cabin trip well i shouldn't say we do it every year because we only did one we've only been a pod this is our third year of the podcast so the first year we didn't do it last year we did it we're doing it again this year but we do like a cabin trip where we go and we do a franchise and we watch all the movies together then record the episodes and uh we decided to do the wrong turn franchise which i had seen all of them but i am and you may know this maybe you don't but i'm a huge fan of the new wrong turn that came out in 2021 it was supposed to come out in 2020 but got uh delayed but like i watched that movie and i was like this movie is like have you seen it i i i was listening to your episode where you were talking about it but i i started it and i for some reason couldn't get into it but mm. i can't tell you that i disliked it because i don't remember why i stopped watching it it could have just been that i wasn't in the mood that day now nah, that's fair like i thought like abby and i watched it and like it was just it was so good like it just engulfed and i could talk about it for an hour so i won't go that far down the rabbit hole but like just the the topics that it tackled and the quality of which it tackled those topics while bringing everything back together at the end was just fascinating to me the way that they did the movie. And I don't think you really can appreciate it until the end, the very final scene where you realize what has become of this one character who started out like way over here and is introduced to this group that's way over here. Mm -hmm. And then they find out there's actually another group that's like way the fuck out here. And then what it 
makes this character become and then just and I you may be I'm learning something about myself now I really like good character arcs and you see this character transformation through this movie that is just fucking fascinating to me um, and very realistic but anyway I've always liked the first Wrong Turn. I loved the newest Wrong Turn. I'd seen all the other shitty sequels. Um, let's be honest, they're just gore fest movies. Um, yeah. But I was like, we're going to be in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. There's a picture of the cabin on our Instagram account if anyone wants to see what it looks like. It looks just like the cabin from Evil Dead. Um, anyway, we get there. And we I have uh, one, two, three, four, five. So I have the first five Wrong Turn movies and the new one. I don't have the sixth one. So I'm like, we'll just watch the first five. We'll do an episode on the first two. And then the other three, we'll do like a whole, uh, like compilation episode talking about all the movies and what we liked. So we were there and we watched one, did an episode on it. Two did an episode on it. Three, four. And like, we were all sitting there and we were like, I don't even want to record an episode to talk about these. So we ended up doing like an episode for Patreon where we basically didn't even tell anybody when I'm guess I'm spoiler alert. We didn't watch the other two movies in the franchise cause we couldn't do it, but we, <laughs> so like I understand what you're saying because it fucking breaks you down like physically and mentally when you are like into a franchise like Texas Chainsaw, like wrong turn. Whereas the it's, it, I guess this is a testament to scream, right? Because like, yeah, those two franchises get so bad as they progress where scream and like I guess we're coming around full circle now, but like you were saying, like the the storylines build on top of each other. Whether you like or you don't like the third movie, that's on you. But like it still adds something to the franchise. The fourth one adds to the franchise. It just like that is what sets Scream apart, in my opinion, from like your Freddies, your Jasons, your Michaels, all that. Because even in the Halloween series, there's bad movies. Yeah, and it's it's super funny that you bring that up because like, and you brought it back to scream because that's exactly what I was going to say is because the last franchise we had covered on the show before Texas chainsaw was scream. So we got off of this franchise that we were applauding like the continuity and how the character development, like, you know, I was saying Sydney Prescott's my favorite final girl, because as much as I love, you know, like the Lori Strode, you can't, you can't, or like the Nancy Thompson's, you can't beat the character arc over all these movies and how consistent it's been with her character and how she's overcome so much from, and she's a totally different character than she was in the first movie. And she's had such a believable arc. And for a movie that's for movies that are so meta and kind of goofy, it has to me the most believable final girl in terms of how she's been affected by all these events and everything. And so we're applauding the continuity and the character development and how these films stack up on top of each other. And then you go to Texas Chainsaw where each each movie is doing totally different versions of the characters and totally different right. tones and completely different everything. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it was kind of jarring for me because I had never seen most of the Texas chainsaw movies. I had seen the first one. I had seen the remake. I had seen 3d Leatherface, And I think that's it. And so I, there were a lot that I hadn't seen and I was like, man, I'm glad I'm having to do this for the podcast because I would have been out in probably like movie three, you know, right. I've just been like, I don't give a shit about this franchise and anymore. Like I wouldn't have watched them all. That's what happened with us in wrong turn. It was like, after the third one, we were like, I don't like, we're at this awesome location, which may not have helped the situation, but we're like, we're at this awesome location out in the middle of nowhere. Like, why are we going to like, if they were great movies, that's one thing, but it's like, I don't know if I can do another shitty movie where, a guy drives a fucking snowmobile into a, a piano line and cuts another guy's head off. Like I just, 
Like, let's go on a hike. Let's grab a cooler yeah. full of Miller lights and go on a hike. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I just remembered, I think the next franchise that we're covering is probably going to be the Jurassic park movies. Mm. Cause, uh, the new one's coming out this summer at some point, I think. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a fan of really either of the newer Jurassic world movies, but we're going to be going back and watching all of the movies. And I think that'll be a bit more, it'll be a bit easier franchise to get through. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because it's shorter and the movies are, they're, they're, they're at least fun. There's fucking dinosaurs in all of them. So there's a right. that. Dude, I'm a big um, sucker for Chris Pratt. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think the last one that came out, Jurassic Park, wasn't as good as the first one with Chris Pratt. Like that first one with Chris Pratt, I actually really did enjoy. I've been a fan of him since Parks and Rec because I loved that show. Um, so I'm always happy for him. I love him as Star-Lord. I don't really dig him in the Jurassic movies because I love when he's playing like a he's playing more into his comedic, like goofy side and yeah. less when he's doing like the action hero, like trying to be <laughs> Indiana Jones or whatever. Yeah. Like I like when he's being funny because that's where his strength really is. Sure. To me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy him and I think it'll be a fun franchise to go through. I love everything about dinosaurs and stuff. And I think I was going to bring this up cause you mentioned, I think evil dead at some point. Um, tone just got us tickets for August I, I don't remember if it's Evil Dead or if it's Army of Darkness. It's um, it's a thing with Bruce Campbell. It's like a live thing with him um, that he just got us tickets for. Yeah, it's for Evil Dead. It's going to be a screening and then a live um, like Q&A meeting thing with Bruce Campbell after. Oh, that'll be cool. Dude, we got sucked into this Evil Dead thing for like two months straight. I don't know how it happened, but like... I feel like that's all we talked about was Evil Dead movies for like two months. And then like, it was like, I cannot wait. Seth, I, Seth is the one that's, he's like, dude, I cannot fucking wait until I don't have to talk about another Evil Dead movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we have shockingly, uh, we're all huge Sam Raimi fans. I grew up on his Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Um, and then as an adult found Evil Dead and, you know, those are some of my favorite horror movies. Evil Dead 2 might be, you know, might beat out the shining in terms of being like my favorite horror movie. Like that's, it's just so batshit that yeah. movie. But, um, and I even love the remake like that. Like the Texas chainsaw remake is a remake that I think was done excellently. See, I love so, the, the, the last one with, uh, what's her name? The girl that plays Mia. Uh, Oh, uh, is it Jane Levy? Jane Levy. Yes. Yeah. Jane Levy, Jane Levy. Yeah. She do. I think that movie is f the, her acting in that movie is so good. And that's another example of a character who's going through like addiction and and trying to get into recovery. That, right. that movie means has even more like of an emotional sure. thing for me rewatching it. And then plus the gore is just like fucking incredible in that movie. And just like the the raining blood at the end, like just yeah, it's, it's such a it's such an awesome looking, well done horror movie. And I'm so excited to revisit all of them. And I thought we were probably going to wait until closer to when the new one came out, but we may end up doing all the evil dead movies probably in August, like to lead up to when we go see, Dude, see it with that, Campbell, that one, the chin. like I, I am uh, admittedly not a fan of, of evil dead, evil dead two or, or army of darkness, but man, that, that newest one reboot remake, whatever you want to call it. And again, maybe and again, I'm finding things out about myself today. Like I feel like that character arc you have with Mia in that movie. And when we did the episode, which is why these podcasts are so great. Cause you learn, other people's perspectives or what other people saw during the movie. I'm like, 
she's telling these people what is going on and nobody is fucking listening to her and jess is like josh she's a recovering addict like they think that she's lying to them to get out of the situation so she can leave and i'm sitting here like and, and you and i have had this conversation like i don't really suffer from anxiety addiction yeah sure i drink a lot but i don't think it's a problem um i'm a functioning alcoholic but like I've, I've never had to, I've never dealt with things on that level, right? Like I, I don't have experience with it and you don't know what you don't know. But having somebody else explain to me like, well, here is why they're not listening. Because me, I'm like a, a normal, like I'm, I'm a, from my perspective, I shouldn't say I'm a normal person because that's a, a shitty way to put it. But like <laughs> I, in, in my realm, what I am used to is... I'm telling you, Anthony, there's some fucking crazy shit going on at this cabin, man. We got to get out of here. But then you're looking at me like this dude is a fucking addict and he's just trying to get out of here because he wants to get out of the situation, right? Which he she had done before, right? Yeah. Like this was their last ditch effort to help her. So then I'm sitting there like, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense, which I didn't get on my own. Yeah, and... um I, I totally didn't the first time that I watched it either. And of course, having my like horror movie nerd brain, I'm always thinking like, why the fuck don't people listen when somebody's freaking out about something spooky happening? But now coming from that perspective of like, there was a point in time where I would just make up any crazy shit to like get out of a situation I was in so that I could drink, you know, so yeah. that, or to like be able to get my hands on something to drink. And I would just lie constantly, um, which again is one of those like things you look back on. You're like, I can't believe that. But you know, substances do crazy things to you when you have a problem and and you kind of become a different person and so i understood where all the other characters were coming from and then also when you're going through withdrawal and you know for me it was alcohol but for other people i'm sure it's even worse with you know the kind of drugs that she was on in that movie but you do hallucinate and scary things happen to you when you're going through withdrawal like i i woke up at one point when i was going through withdrawals and and i thought that there was like a cult of like hooded figures standing around my bed really yeah and i would have like um, auditory hallucinations where i would like hear people whispering in my ears like and i would turn and there would be nobody there or i could hear people like whispering outside my window right and there would be nobody there so when she's going through that i was like yeah this is 100 percent like nobody's gonna believe her because they understand that she's probably just tripping balls like right going through withdrawal and so it reminds me this is a a dumb comparison but it reminds me of what makes like a goosebumps book so scary as a kid is because like the kids know what's going on but none of the adults ever believe them no, that's a, like a trying... great comparison yeah where it's just like to me that's always the scariest thing is when something terrifying is happening to you and like that would terrify me in real life is if something terrifying is happening to me and i'm trying to get somebody's help and they don't believe me right like that is what like really makes that that situation scary. And so that's part of why I really love what they added to that movie is that kind of like character depth and added element that wasn't really around in the other evil dead movies. Right. And then the fact that they write such a complex character, they put her in, in an unwinnable situation, but then she still becomes like at the end of it, where like she rips her arm off out from under, then it turns into like great character development, great writing, but then they also give you like that crazy over the top, like it's raining blood. She, you like see the tendons and her arm rip out. And my yeah. favorite scene in the entire movie is when she smacks you. Know, 
I've never had a limb cut off, but I have to imagine it. F- for here, here's what a pussy I am, Anthony. I got a, <laughs> a frozen pizza out of the oven last Friday because we do Friday movie game nights, right? And I accidentally touched the top rack while trying to get the pizza out, and it burnt the Ouch. shit out of me, and it hurt. So now I'm envisioning this girl having her arm ripped off out from under a a car. Yeah, and then she just jams her limb into a chainsaw. And is like carrying the chainsaw out around with the the cut off limb like that. You know what? Hey, I'm here for it. I always yeah, I always chalk it up to like, OK, maybe if I was in some sort of demonic life or death situation <laughs> where I had been sexually assaulted by a tree and all this other shit, like maybe I would have such a high level of adrenaline that I would be able to pull off this because, you know, you hear about the moms lifting cars off of their yeah, kids yeah, yeah. Like in real life because of adrenaline and all that. Um, I'm always like, yeah, uh, I guess if I was like so hopped up on adrenaline that I couldn't feel anything or I was in shock, like maybe. But, you know, either way, she's a fucking badass. And I was disappointed that we didn't get another shot with her as that character. Like, yeah, we got her in um, Fidi Alvarez's other thing, Don't Breathe. But um, I wanted to see more of that character in the Evil Dead universe. And who knows, you know, maybe at some point we might get it. We're in the, the age of anything can happen. Like, right. There's there's things happening in movies and in TV right now that it's like a dream come true for like as a kid, I would have never believed you if you had told me like that we would be getting more Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure. Because I was a big fan of the prequels or like that we would be getting, you know, new still new Batman movies. And dude, we're, we're going to get like, a new Scream movie, a new Texas Chainsaw movie and a new Halloween movie all in the same fucking year. And you got all these people bitching about how horror is terrible and it's gone. It's dead and it's just terrible. They don't make anything good. Like, what are you talking about? We're in a fucking great position right now for everybody. Well, and I don't think that there would be nearly as many of, you know, our podcasts, these horror podcasts or these, if horror wasn't in a place where there was enough material and enough good stuff out there or like so bad, it's good stuff that yeah. it gives us all something to talk about. Like every week, you know, and most of us I, have weekly and shows. I, and- I love the remakes, the reboots. Like I said, if it's fun and enjoyable remake, whatever you want, but to, then you have the people saying, well, they're only doing this because they've run out of ideas. You have this new a 24 movie X coming out, which has Jenna Ortega in it, which I think in Brittany snow, which I think is going to be fucking great. Um, yeah, I'm stoked for it. You've got Jordan Peele's new movie coming out, which I admittedly am not a huge Jordan Peele fan based on uh, Get Out was okay. I thought Us was terrible. Um, but you have all this stuff coming out. Like, come on. Let's be positive, people. Yeah, th- I always say it on the show, but um, you know, I want for things to be good. Like, I'm never going into... You know, my expectations a lot of the time are very low for a lot of like new horror projects, but I never go into it hoping that it's going to suck or like being like, Oh, this is just going to fucking suck. Like even with the new Texas chainsaw, I went into that hoping that there would be something about that movie that I really, really loved. And there were things that I really did like about that movie. Just not enough for me to say that it was a good Texas chainsaw massacre movie, but I would still rewatch it like for specific scenes and specific like aesthetic things that were in that movie. But you know, if a show doesn't impress me with its first season, I'm always like, well, hey, you know, if they give it another shot in the second season and it and it go, you know, it picks up, then good for them. Like, I want things. I want us to have good things to watch. Like, I want the movies that are coming out to be good. Right. You know, and so I try to have a positive outlook on like all of this new stuff. Like, even with Halloween ends, I'm like, 
I thought Halloween Kills sucked, but I'm yeah. still holding out hope that they can bring it back around. I honestly, and, and here's my viewpoint. I'm sorry I cut you off a little bit, but like my viewpoint on that is I feel like Halloween Kills, yeah, Halloween 2018 was great. Yeah. Halloween Kills was okay, but I feel like this whole, at the end of it, when it's all over, we're going to view this trilogy as one long movie. Yeah. And I think that this Halloween Kills... Is just the middle section of it now, and I'm I love Danny McBride. I think Danny McBride does no wrong, even though Righteous Gemstones season two sucked. Um, <laughs> I think that with this third season, if they can pull all that in and give us a climax that is, I, it, it, it at this point it doesn't have to be great; it can be good because Halloween 2018, in my opinion, was great. Kills, eh. if they can really wrap it up and make that trilogy one long movie, like, I'm here for it. Yeah, and I'm the same way with, like, especially with trilogies, and especially if they're built this way, where you can tell that hopefully there's some sort of vision. I mean, that's obviously what I was hoping for with, like, the new Star Wars movies, was I was... And I know that you don't really have... You said that you haven't... You don't watch Star Wars, right? Yeah, dude, I've seen the very first Star Wars. That's it. Okay, yeah. I mean, well, the new ones, I think a lot of people were pretty disappointed with how that trilogy went because it was obvious that they just didn't have any like vision of how they wanted the story to go and it was all fucked up. So I'm at least hoping that there is some sort of vision for how they want this trilogy of movies to end. And so I'm I'm always like, yeah, if the third one comes out and it suddenly like recontextualizes the second one and makes me think, oh, okay, that's why it was the way that it was, is because yeah. it was setting us up for this. Right. Then I'm I'm totally happy with it. I'm like, cool. So I'm holding out hope for the new Halloween. Like I said, I want movies to be good. Um, I really enjoyed the Batman. Um, I didn't think it was perfect, but I really fucking enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the new Spider-Man. And I really enjoyed the new Scream. So I've been having some good times at the movies recently. And um, I'm happy about it because it just sucks when you have a year where you're just like nothing good is coming out and there's just like no reason for me to get excited for anything dude I, that was one thing last year and seth and i talk about this all the time it was like we were in this stagnant position when it came to you couldn't go to the theater if if the theater was open there was nothing at the theater you wanted to see i think they even went so far as to go back and reshow old movies that had been released trying to get people to come to the theater so yeah. you could go see your favorite movie at the theater because, you know, when are you ever going to get to do that again? Which Honestly, that was cool for Abby and I to go see Scream because I had never seen the first Scream uh, in theaters. But we were in this, like, weird position where, like, nothing... Everything we wanted to see was either already done and postponed or they were just delaying everything. And then those fucking Fear Street movies came out on Netflix, dude. Like them or <laughs> hate them, whatever you want, dude. They came out and we were like, yes, like yes. something to look forward to. They weren't perfect. They were fun. Yeah, I loved when I loved when that was happening. I was like, this is the perfect time for something like this. Like we all needed this like as horror fans. Yeah, like this this big three part event for us to all be talking about and all getting excited about. And, you know, that's why even when it comes to to like people's reviews of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or whatever, the new one. I, I just say, like, just be nice to each other. Like, that's the thing that I think has bugged me the most about these, the recent kind of, like, horror movie fan discussion is I don't ever want to be, like, a horror movie fan who is gatekeeping and saying, like, okay, well, you just didn't get it, and that's why you didn't enjoy this movie or whatever. Yeah. You know, because, like I said earlier, you, I appreciate that other people have different opinions. And while a lot of the time I try to, like, 
I try to egg people on or like piss people off with being yeah. like, oh, well, that fucking sucks. Or like, but, you know, I try to be, I'm very blunt about like, if something sucks, it, it fucking blows. And like, yeah. I'll tell you that it fucking sucks. And, um, but it, it's never, usually it's because I understand that like, I can clarify by saying, but you know, that's, that's your opinion. And I totally understand like we right. have different opinions and people are just getting so angry on social media now about like, Oh, well, if you didn't like this thing, or if you did like this thing, you're an idiot and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can we, can we all just be happy? Like you said, that new horror is coming out. Yeah. Like, why know? are we so and bad? Just, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's just people, people have this imaginary vision in their mind of like some, perfect time in horror where everything that was coming out was like the greatest horror ever and it's right. like no like pretty much every decade of horror has had tons and tons of garbage and right. then like a few gems throughout the decade that really stood out and made it work and it's like you just got to hold out for those and those are the movies that are going to stick around forever but if you're a horror fan like sometimes it is just fun to throw on a, mo- a shitty horror movie that just you know you like the kills in or it, it looks good to you or there's right. some funny thing in it or something like and I'm not saying like, oh, if, if you don't like all horror, then you're not a horror fan. If you like five horror movies, you can call yourself a horror fan. That's totally fine with me. I think you know, horror is different just... to everybody. Felicia and I had this conversation that horror is different to everybody. And there's people that say, oh, I don't like horror movies. But then they like, I don't have a good example off the top of my head. But like, eh, that could be considered horror. If it's scary to you, that's horror, right? It's whatever, whatever your fear derives from. And that's what scares you. It may not be the slashers. Like, for instance, our group is completely different. I love the slasher, corny uh, horror comedies. Seth likes the paranormal stuff. Jess is really into also the paranormal stuff. But it's like there's there's so many different things. But we're so tribal by nature that like we have to cling on to that one thing that I like slasher movies and you like gore fest movies or paranormal movies and we can't agree on anything. And it's like that's stupid. Yeah, no, yeah, that's I've had that same thought recently. Just thinking about because I I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube about like human evolution and all that kind of stuff, and like um, I was thinking about that too. How you can kind of see like the tribes that form on social media, kind of like the apes forming tribes, like right. you know, in our ancient past, and it's all over stupid shit like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and um, it, yeah, it is very like human nature to do that. But um, our our group is is the same, like Anthony or tone has like the very he he loves like corny slashers that are very like 80s yeah slashers and stuff like that um because that's what he grew up on john is like a sucker for anything that's like really high concept so like okay. he is the biggest like a24 he's like, the elevated I horror can... guy like scream talks exactly about. <laughs> yeah yeah which is something that i appreciated so much about scream <laughs> on a rewatch too is being able to read all the dialogue about elevated horror i was like this is so fucking spot on it's ridiculous but and it all reminded me of john i yeah. was like john would be the richie character in this movie but um and then with me i I really I like really weird stuff like if there's something like I'm the guy who's like if the movie melted my fucking brain watching it and I like am trying to comprehend how this thing makes any fucking sense usually it's gonna end up being one of my favorite movies of the year right (laughs) so like we all kind of land in different sweet spots and so like so like I said we don't always agree on stuff but we all kind of have that understanding and I feel like we have that understanding too in in the log chat like in the group where we just all know like yeah we're gonna disagree on some stuff and like rib each other you know right about the things that we disagree on but that's the fun of it like that's the fun of having a group that you can and that's why we've been for what like a year now if not more trying to all get back together right 
some sort of episode on some big topic together. I wasn't on the last one. I had to bow out, but uh, no, I look forward to it. I think Chuck Chuck is actually the next uh, Cocktails guest we have lined, or I have lined up, so uh, that'll be that'll be interesting as well because he went on his rant in there about uh, all the remakes and reboots, so I'm hoping to get in a good debate about that with him. So we'll see how that works out in or against my favor. Yeah, I um, I can't wait to listen to it, mostly just because... Um, <laughs> I think Chuck is hilarious and he's like he has such a good he has such a good podcast voice that I always just feel like I'm I'm in like a warm embrace whenever I listen to any of his stuff but right versus um, me who's yeah. all nasally and annoying <laughs> Well I'm like I, you know I have I don't think that I have a very um great voice for radio either but I have fun with it and I'm like I don't even, this audio is probably going to sound terrible on this episode but um because it's just like my random mic that I keep around. But Dude, I am just impressed that you held the microphone up to your face this entire time. Like you're, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I, I only ever do this for the the guest stuff that I do because we always have we have mic stands, you know. Um, yeah. For our regular show, right. but I just I like to, you know, this episode was going to be loosey goosey, so I wanted to be loosey goosey with the microphone. You know, I wanted to uh, have a bit more flexibility, but my arm is, uh, has been getting pretty stiff. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad it's your arm position. and not something else. That'd make the video very awkward for. Well, that actually does bring me uh, bring me to a question that I told the guys I would ask you um, uh-huh. on this. I know we weren't supposed to come up with anything prepared, but yeah. um, you know, before we ended this conversation, I wanted to ask you the classic "fuck Mary kill." Yes. Uh, with the three of us on Porcelain Peak, okay, you had to uh, categorize us with "fuck Mary kill." Okay. Um, let me see. Fuck, marry, kill. Let's see. I'd probably marry John because he just seems like a, a nice guy that, you know, when I get home from a long week on the road, he'd probably have me dinner cooked. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I feel like you and I would have a good time, so I'd probably, you know, go one-on-one with you. We could we could have a good rendezvous. Yeah, I uh, know. I and I Tone, totally you and I know this. We've had conversations in the log about it. Tone has some very differing opinions with me. And sometimes when I'm listening to your podcast, he'll go off on a rant about something. And then luckily, you chime in and you say uh, something funny or you argue my point for me. Not that you knew I would argue that point. but uh, And then I'm like, okay, I'll keep listening to where I was almost getting ready to turn it off. So I'd have to kill Tone because he's killing your podcast downloads. Yeah. No, I mean... I I want I basically brought this up because I wanted you know that's a that's a tick in the box of like we need to get tone off the podcast because he's just he's just killing the whole thing mm. um yeah so I just wanted your your opinion on that no but um that makes me happy that you um you feel like I voice your opinion on the show like if you feel like I can sometimes come to the rescue like that because I'll be listening to a show too. And if somebody's just going on too long on something that they're like harping on or whatever, mm. I start to go like, okay, you know, uh, wrap this up, man, like wrap this <laughs> up. And I know it can happen on our show too. Cause we, uh, we all like to have our moments on our soapboxes. So I'm glad yeah. that like, uh, we're pretty good about chiming in with like a, a dissenting opinion or something. So there's something to love no matter who you are. Like one of us will have an opinion or a point that you can latch on to. But, um, and I'm glad that when I make those points, you go, yeah, I'd fuck that guy. That's exactly what I think the entire time. It, whether Because again, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm driving or working out, which consists of a lot of running or cycling. So yeah, I'm like the whole time I'm thinking, wow, this guy's really doing it for me. 
Yeah. And then it gets yeah, awkward, especially if I'm in like a gym at a hotel. Cause then like, I got to like kind of try to get off the exercise bike and like, you know, maneuver. Yeah, cause you're already, you're already, uh, jostling things around. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. Um, and that's honestly why I do the show is just, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm the internet darling is because I'm just in it for, uh, the hookups, you know, yeah, I kind so of assume come... that honestly, now that you say that. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm in to porcelain peak for the porcelain poon, you know, or the peen, you know, e- either way, wh- yeah. whatever comes my way. You know what? I appreciate that in 2022, you're open and honest enough to admit that kind of thing, Anthony. I'm very, you know what? I feel like we've really um, hashed out and opened a lot of great dialogue today. And I hope you feel better about it. Yeah, I feel like I've opened a whole can of worms um, wh- when it comes to potential future Instagram messages from people who are like, well, I hear you're in in the mood for the porcelain poon or the porcelain bean. Um, it's 2022, am, Anthony. One person may offer you both. You don't know. That's so true. You know, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's a new day. And Here's I what I do know. Inbox. Here's what I do know is if your girlfriend breaks up with you tonight, you're going to have a negative review tomorrow. Very true. Yeah, she's actually she texted me about an hour ago, and I haven't uh, read the text message yet. And I'm gonna have to get back to her and say, well, you know, I was explaining how I'm in it for the porcelain peen or the per- porcelain poon, and you know, obviously that's probably gonna be the make or break thing. Uh, I, you know what? I I don't know her at all. I don't even know her name, but I feel like she's in it for the long haul. So I think you're okay. I think you're going to be good. She's yeah. She's actually my first um, girlfriend who has actually listened to and enjoyed the show. There you go. So I'm like, that's my most natural kind of like. If you want to crash course on who I am, listen to me with my friends when we're just shooting the shit about stuff that we love. So you know, I never push the podcast on somebody when I'm first dating them, but mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm always like, if you were curious about who I am, like it's gonna, you're gonna get a lot more value out of stalking me on my podcast than stalking me on my Instagram or whatever. Um, because I'm not really putting out a front when I'm when I'm recording with my friends, and so yeah. the fact that she thinks that the show is interesting and that it's funny and she enjoys it and she listens to it, I think I am pretty safe because I say some pretty stupid shit. <laughs> you and me both. Um, Sometimes I say things yeah. and I'm like, should I edit that out? Nah, fuck it. It'll be fine. But yeah, I don't know if once I tell her about this episode, she'll go and listen to it. But um, hi, Adrian, if you end up listening to this, um, just know that everything I've said on this show uh, does not actually reflect my views or or my interests. Yeah, I've, I've just been making shit up for the show. So mm. just well, good content. I'm glad you said that because I think it was great content. I appreciate you hanging out with me for two hours and almost 40 minutes while I drank all six of my Miller Lights here. I uh, was curious. I was going to ask you because I I did a lot of uh, pre gaming for this in terms of the weed smoking. I basically had yeah. a good high going on for the whole day, and then I kind of like re upped right before the show. Mm. But then the problem with that is that about halfway through this recording, I was already feeling like completely sober again. Yeah. So I was like, "You're in a better boat than I am in terms of like you you've obviously had a pretty good stream of." Miller lights going. So that's what I do. I bring six. I talk through the six when the sixth one is gone, which this one is. Then I call it a night and I wrap it up. Well, that's a good system. And I am very happy that we were able to carry on because I mean, we've we've had extended conversations on Instagram through text, but you know, outside of you showing up on the trivia thing completely smashed out of your out of your gourd. Yes. You know, we, we've never really just sat down and had a conversation. So this was a ton of fun. I mean, I. 
I'm gonna have to come back and listen to this episode again so I can remember all of the different things we touched on because we were like boom, 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 <laughs> all over the place. And I'm like, I think we circled back around to most of the stuff. I think we did. That's what I love about this is like we could start with Scream. We went into uh, The Shining. We talked about uh, Texas Chainsaw, The Walking Dead. I don't the Fear Street. We went all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. It was. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to this format because we, again, we still have like, we have somewhat of a structure on our show and it does feel a bit more structured. And so I was like, cool, I'm just going to be able to come on this and say whatever the fuck, like, you know, fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. Um, and you're yeah, happy with so. the results of that, which makes me happy that you are happy. Yeah. I'm going to be able to report back to the guys and they'll probably all just be like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But speaking yeah. of the guys, why don't you plug Porcelain Peak one last time before we wrap it up? Yeah, so uh, Porcelain Peak, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Basically, just check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those are the the prime places to go. Um, but we are a horror and sci-fi podcast. There's three of us. There is uh, Tone, John, and myself, Anthony. Um, every week, we talk about anything from horror movie, new horror movies to classic horror movies to true crime to whatever the fuck we feel like that's in the genre. Uh, we also have a Patreon. If you want to check us out and you like us, you can go check that out because we have a bunch of commentaries that we do for movies and we're looking to do some more fun stuff outside of the horror and sci-fi genre. Um, I think for our commentaries this month, we're doing Batman 66, the movie and the Halle Berry Catwoman movie for commentaries. We're doubling up in March. Um, so those will be interesting, <laughs> but yeah, check us out on Instagram too. Um, I run the Instagram and I, I, uh, shoot the shit with this guy and a bunch of other podcasters, uh, like the Elm street boys got to get all of you guys on our show at some point. Uh, we've been really bad about getting guests. So it was nice to at least come on this and chat with you. It's difficult. That's why I started doing this. Plus, uh, I, I have a podcasting itch. I think I'm addicted to it. This may be my first addiction. Like I'm addicted to it. I could record an episode every day. I don't know. I just enjoy it. And I like I just enjoy flowing conversation. So um and I'll come to your defense and say that having people on our own show for like a regular episode is very difficult because it just not that it screws up the flow, it just gives you a different flow and you don't really know how it's gonna go where as when you record with the same people all the time, like we could sit out and I probably don't even need an outline and we could go through the entire episode and nobody would even know versus when you have like a guest on and you want to get to know that person and they don't know when to talk. And then you're kind of like trying to lead a horse to water to make them talk. And it's just awkward, honestly, sometimes. So I think this is a much better format to get to know people and just have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with everything that you just said. Like that's exactly how it is with us. Like we have such a good rhythm going that we are just so comfortable with it that it makes it kind of difficult to put another like a person another person into that vibe because it, it'll always make me nervous like i am never nervous about recording our show when it's just the three of us anymore i'm so comfortable with it but then whenever we bring on somebody else i'm like sweating like <laughs> oh are they gonna think we're funny are they gonna think we're dumb are we gonna make good points how long is the episode gonna be yeah like you know i just get way too stressed out about it but i'm an anxious person so um that's very uh, par for the course for me but i wasn't anxious about this once we started talking a little bit i was like oh yeah i'm probably gonna flub this whole thing and there's gonna be like dead silence for five minutes straight where we just have nothing to talk about but 
we did it, man. We pulled it off. We went so. through it, dude. Everybody said they were nervous. I don't know if I make people nervous. I don't. I don't get nervous. Weird. It's a weird tick I have. I think I'm a sociopath. I don't know, or a psychopath. <laughs> one or two. I don't really know the difference between the two. I don't need to know the difference, but uh, I'm one of them, I think, because I don't really get nervous. But uh, this has been a blast. I will second everything you said. Your guys' podcast is awesome. If you like trivia, you guys are the ones to listen to because there are questions that you guys ask each other on the show, and I'm like. I have no fucking clue. And you're, you're just like, yeah, it's this movie or it's this actor or this composer. And I'm like, the fuck do they know this stuff? Like who has, <laughs> who knows these things? But no, honestly, you guys do a great job. You dive into movies and do a great job of, uh, um, communicating your individual, um, experiences and understandings and feelings on the movie, which, uh, I think you guys do a great job. Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, like, you know, like I said, you guys, uh, I love your show. I'm just now getting into it. So I'm, I've actually been going back and listening to some of your more recent episodes. I think I listened to the Jeepers Creepers 2 episode. And then I listened to one other one that was recent because I'm like, oh, shit, I actually enjoy what you guys do. And you're funny as fuck. So, yeah. Well, thank um, you. That's what, that's what we go more, for. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff, potentially with all six of us together in the future, have some sort of big episode if we can schedule that all out between all six of us oh i'd be into it in between you me and everybody listening which uh who knows how many it'll be for this episode hopefully a lot uh i have had this big goal of getting everybody together whether it be for a weekend or one day or a few days i don't know i don't know how we're gonna pull it off i feel like we will be able to do it where we get everybody together and again, I'm I'm the horror movie crew guy, so I label everything HMC, but like an HMC podcasting fest where we all, whether it's at a hotel or a cabin community and where we can all get together and record episodes together, meet each other in person, uh, network back and forth. But man, I think that would be a blast. And I think we're finally getting to a point or where we have the opportunity to do that with things opening up and, uh, and whatnot. And gas prices might be a little difficult right now, but I'm sure we can work through that. But I would love to have you guys there. I think that'd be a blast to do that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That sounds amazing. And we we've saved up enough Patreon money now that like that's kind of something that we've been looking forward to is like when can we spend this Patreon money on like some sort of trip to go visit visit some of you guys. Yeah. Um, because we would love to do that and maybe like tour some spooky places and do some stuff outside of the Central Valley in California. Well, us in Ohio slash Canada would be happy to have you guys. But uh, yeah, again, that's that's my my brain works. Uh, it, it sometimes my head doesn't fit in the hat because there's so much shit going on. But uh, <laughs> that's a goal. Seth and I have been kicking around ideas on how to make it work, and hopefully, uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be this summer, but maybe next spring or something we can figure out a way to get everybody together and and make that work. But thank you for hanging out with me. I appreciate you coming on and. Uh, We're out of here. Bye. Hey, Krubies. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more or you want to follow us on social media, Jess, where can they find us at? You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Horror Movie Crew Podcast. And you can listen on any major podcast platform. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. We'll see you next time. Bye, all.